Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Trap Draw podcast. My name is Randy. As always, uh, we have a very special one for you. It's what we like to call the perfect club. And before we get into today's episode, let me announce my uh, perfect guests. I I think they are perfect guests. Let's start with the merch star, Neil Schuster. Neil, good morning. How are you? That's nice, Randy. I'm doing well. Thrilled to be back here. Um, Got some hot takes today. Back at the Kill House, too. Happy to be home. Welcome back at the Kill House with you, Mr. DJ Pie. DJ, good morning. How are Hello, you? Hello, Randy. Hello. Uh, Neil tells me you swallowed your own load. <laughs> right between oh, the God. eyes, Randy. Oh, God. Uh, excellent quote. Uh, we will get to that. Our last guest, he's appeared on a couple perfect clubs, Mr. KVV, Kevin Van Valkenburg. Good morning, sir. How are you? Randy, excited to spend another day of the shit show at the Fuck Factory. (laughs) Well, beautiful. Um, (laughs) Folks, it's not going to be a PG-13 episode because what we're talking about, the HBO show Succession, is not a PG-13 show. So just fair warning now. Uh, But this is a perfect club about that show. Season 3 returns Sunday, October 17th. And we thought no better way to celebrate than to recap the first couple seasons talk about our favorite moments, characters, cringiest scenes, etc. So that's what we have in store today. Boys, are we ready to get started? Could be more ready. Fired up, Randy. Fire away. Well, I think I think where we need to start is you know, let's let's just catch up. Where where are we? You know, heading into season 3, where where does the show stand? Who who wants to tackle that? Well, I would I would jump in and say we've been talking about this since Taurus Sauce season five in the Carolinas. We were uh, playing golf, trying to figure out who was, you know, who was the NLU version of, of Kendall and Tom and Ewan, obviously Randy is uncle Ewan. Um, but I feel like we've been, we've been bullshitting about succession for uh, t- over two years, but we're heading into season three. What Sunday, Sunday, this Sunday week. night. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we thought it was a good time to finally uh, turn on the mics and, and uh, share some of the, uh, the, the, uh, bullshit we've been talking about for two years well let me uh, let me I, I didn't set that up maybe as well as i could have but kvv let me throw this to you if you happen to be listening and you haven't watched succession i how would you describe the show to somebody what what's it about what type of show is it uh that is a great question randy i've been thinking a lot about this i think that what makes succession uh probably the best show on TV I would sort of that I would get my vote is that it is both like a story about American wealth and excess and also about crippled family dynamics like a truly broken family that uses like humiliation and power to manipulate others into doing what they want like it's it's so much more about like the easy sell is like oh it's a story of like the what you know, a family that closely resembles uber wealthy family like the trumps or the murdochs or the um the blacks or some of these sort of american titans but really it's about like you know 
kids who are completely broken by the fact that their father, you know, loves basically the the act of humiliating them more than he actually loves them. And uh, I, I am curious to how do you guys kind of came to the show, because I was sort of aware of the show generally, but wasn't really, I was like, God, that seems miserable. Like, it seems like everyone on that show is an asshole. And I don't know that I want to spend, you know, an hour a week with that. And then I finally got into it. And I was like, well, this is really the best show about <clears throat> like interpersonal dynamics between people who are essentially family uh, since the Sopranos. Like that's what it reminds me the most of is this big Shakespearean tragedy where everything is sort of falling apart and all these people are moving around like, like nobody gets killed. There's no, like, you know, uh, for the most part, like no one's going to whack somebody, but it's almost more crippling emotionally the way that some of the characters fuck with each other than it would be if they were like going to knife each other, like actually in the back. Well, that, yes. that's super interesting that you said it that way, because I, I was trying to think about, you know, what is the show about? What is it? What is it to me? I think for, for me, a big part of it is, you know, it's illustrating this idea that when your your main personality trait, like your your only kind of identifiable trait about yourself, is how much you despise regular human beings, <laughs> and, and are trying to separate yourself from them, uh, you're probably gonna, you know, extinguish any humanity that that you maybe once had, and that that's essentially what you you keep seeing just on repeat with every single character in the show. And to your point, Kevin, I, I think what you said is really interesting that you know, when you, you have this family that it just feels like the stakes are, are really high at all times, but also they're almost so wealthy and powerful that they're actually insulated from any bad things really happening to them, you know? And so it's this, this great push and pull between like, everything feels like, oh my God, it's life or death. And also, you know, yeah, nothing's really going to happen. Like I, I keep coming back to the quote, <laughs> the end of season one, I think when, uh, when Kendall's trying to get back to the board meeting and, and the helicopter pilots, like, you know, if we, if we take off, we're going to, we'll be shot down by an F-16. He's like, well, yeah, but not really. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's like, like that just kind of sums up the whole, the whole show to me. It's just, it's, it's awesome. KVV, I think your Sopranos comp, that's something I agree with wholeheartedly. Whereas the Sopranos isn't a, a a mob it's not about the mob it's about a, a guy trying to get along with his family and the mm -hmm. backdrop is this really interesting you know aging mob industrial complex and i feel the same way about this it's like it's so over the top with the scenery and the eye candy of where all these scenes take place but then it's all this petty bullshit right it's just interpersonal stuff and like really awkward dialogue and um i i think i came to the show about four or five episodes into season one so i kind of caught up and was able to binge a few i think the first two or three were like i, I was like this is overacting this is you know i was kind of just like ah i mean i'll keep watching it but then you start to realize it's basically like let's take the over dramatization of like shakespeare or stage and then put it into this modern tv template and it's it's started to work in a big way for me that's what I love so much about it is I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the writing I think is is part of what makes it so good. And and we always I think we've joked probably on this podcast a little bit about like the the Aaron Sorkification of of uh, certain shows and how you know things can sound way too uh, surreal and and way too like they're written for TV. And this hits up such a perfect note for me where no human ever has sounded like anybody on this show. Everybody's way too smart and way too witty and clever and fast. 
but it just works right like and it's just mm-hmm. it, it feels like a stage play it feels like it's just this perfectly crafted uh but like show for you to watch i would i would push back because i i do think a lot of people like sound like romulus you know or tom like they don't know what to say so they just start saying like you know sure. shit, yeah. piss and like you know in combinations that are really awkward and you're like actually you know the more i think about it the more it's like they're not that smart and i think that the sorkinization stuff I, I guess what i'm saying is you have both yeah like you have a balance it's not it doesn't swing way too far towards the like yes none of these people are real you have the kind of like shiv is is an example of someone who's you know, just way too clever and way too put together. And then you balance that out with her, her literal husband, Tom, and like his congressional hearing where he's just, you know, are, are oh, you yes. aware of Greg? Oh, Greg. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, in that sense, well, yes, I, know I, I do know of him. I knew, yeah. I knew him, but I know him. <laughs> yes, I know him. It's, it's great. Uh, I, all, the other thing I'd say there is uh, I think a lot of the characters, similar to Shakespeare, uh, they're like archetypes. You know, like mm-hmm. one of my favorites is Laird like the, the banker you know it's just like he's he they're they're making fun of real life people they're doing such a good job of examining a an archetype of like modern society just like the the soulless lbo banker you know that's guilty as charged in it for the fee and, and and then stewie you know like some of these auxiliary characters that they just they're there to basically represent something that you know exists but you've never really seen it personally in the flesh. And I love that's that's probably my favorite thing about the show is all the auxiliary stuff that that is uh feels uh both ridiculous and authentic at the same time. I will jump on that, Neil. I, I almost think I think these people can be relatable to to so many like I, I, I think people know of a Laird or a Carl or a Tom, like in their own lives, at their own jobs or, or workplaces, where they're just like you know like holy shit man just like act like a normal person or you know do you have to suck up and brown nose to the boss like that all the time and so i i I think that was what was really fun and relatable to me is like you you, even though you know none of us work in this multinational behemoth uh global corporation you can still see those characters in in my life in in our lives in in the viewers lives so I wanted to point out the two of the executive producers out of a slew are uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. And I, I think like those two guys specifically, Adam McKay has has done some awesome stuff. You know, he's been involved in all the Will Ferrell joints, Anchorman, Talladega, Talladega Nights, the other guys. Um, he did the big short. Um, and and I, I just think their their style really rings through. And it, it puts the comedy in, in dark comedy, right? I, they, th- those two guys, they're great executive producers for the show. And I, I think the show is as good as it is, in no small part because of the direction uh, from the very top. I think that's a, the, the most, like the biggest sell that I can make for Succession is that it's, it's the darkest, funniest show since The Sopranos. Like what the, one of the things that made The Sopranos so good is it was really like a tragic comedy, right? And the comedy was clearly like a big part of the show where there's just this, you know, the stupidity of some of the minor characters like having amazing lines, but them being fully formed as well. Like not just like they wouldn't just drop in for like the, you know, the laughs. They were actually saying like Pauly or Chris were saying things that were idiotic. And that is so true of Succession. Like no show on TV really, even like actual comedies makes me laugh out loud as much as Succession does. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't. Uh, I'd say it's a certain. It is a. It's like an ass clenching humor too. It's not. You know, it's not like belly laughs. It's like you know, makes my gut squirm a little bit. But then, this is one show I've rewatched now too. I just finished the rewatching the second season, and it's great. Highly recommended if you guys haven't uh, gone through again. There's a lot of little nuances. I think they do a great job of of showing uh, and not telling. Like there's a lot of dialogue, but it's a lot of people saying nothing. You know, like we hear you, you know, it's like, oh, it's a, it's five or 10 minutes on how can we write the most uh, pointless tagline, you know, for this, for this company. That's what I was going to say. Their, their comedy is so, uh, it, it, they, they flex every muscle too. I feel like where they, you can mm -hmm. see that they, they have every gear of, of comedy, right? Like you have mm -hmm. the, you have Greg puking out the eye holes of the mascot costume like <laughs> like physical physical type stuff you have everything roman and stewie says on the entire show is just kind of like more sitcom-y just like i'm gonna write as many jokes as i possibly can type stuff and then you have like the the situational like cringe like the uh basically every breakfast scene right like the after the bore on the floor like the the cringe uh, of everyone kind of pretended like they didn't really remember what happened you have the the great scene on the boat in the last episode of of season two where they're all trying to very calmly uh you know debate who's gonna who's gonna take the fall for for the whole thing and it's just it's it, it's every type of funny that you could possibly have it, it just it, it keeps it's just hit after hit after hit it's great and, and i'll echo dj um you know you said it's so well written and neil to your point i rewatched it and the second time i just picked i felt like i picked up on so many more things the second time and um uh, yeah, it, it's like the show is smarter and funnier than I thought going through it, uh, you know, that second time, which is that was really fun because I, I, I think I enjoyed and appreciated it a lot more on the second. I also I rewatched it with uh, with Carson, my fiance, and it was her first time watching it. So I, I kind of got a front row seat to what was making her like some of the stuff that she's laughing at or shocked by. You know, it's it's fun to see that over again. But whereas I'm experiencing it differently, like getting a deeper and I felt very differently about a lot of characters the second time around because of the context of it. So uh, the only other show I've rewatched is The Wire, which KVV, I know, is a uh, close to your heart. And I felt the same way there of like you now I don't have to worry about like figuring out how the you know, how they actually do the wire because, you know, I'm trying to track all these characters. Now I have a little bit of a base of knowledge so you can kind of. Yeah, go level sink deeper, into the scene is really yeah. really good yeah we we tried to watch like a lot of like kid friendly movies during the pandemic and stuff and just to sort of get our kids into like the idea of movie night and so we watched father of the bride like one night and it it was super fun to blow my wife's mind to be like hey you know kid and father of the bride karen Culkin, that's that's roman roy she was like yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> what's it with fuller fuller what's the bed <laughs> i <laughs> Yeah, God, you just pick up. I, I'm thinking like I, DJ. I, I texted you at one point. Like even you can pick up stuff in the background, like the ATN news headlines. Oh, you know, so I, I would start paying attention to those. You know, it'd be like first openly gay couple in space was was one that really had me <laughs> laughing. You know, children children should not be vac vaccinated, says doctor, um, which is very very, very, very uh, yeah on point in, in these days. But yeah. Well, so let's for for folks that haven't gotten to rewatch it, I don't think we have to like go, you know, plot point by plot point. But but just from an overarching, uh, maybe, you know, not quite thirty thousand foot view, do we want to talk about kind of where like 
you know, we, we've kind of laid out the show, but but let's talk about where the plot started and, and kind of set up where it is going into season three uh, starting starting this weekend. Sure, I can I can hit some of the points, but uh, the gist of it, of course, Waystar Royco, the the company's under siege as it has been, I think, since the show started. Uh, and this time it's from a, a buyout by Stewie and uh, Sandy Furness. And basically the, the whole second season is uh, is the Roy's trying to figure out how to how to stave this off. So how to either get so overly leveraged and, and buy another company that they can't be taken over or how to win shareholders over so that they don't vote vote them out all, all kinds of different things. And so where we really end up at, at the very end, I should say actually a big part of season two, maybe the bulk of season two is uh, spoiler alert. I'm, no more spoiler. Listen, if you're if you're listening to Succession Pod, we got to assume that you've you've watched yeah, Succession. Exactly. So, Kendall has his unfortunate event at the end of season one, where he gets in a car accident with the uh, with the waiter and the NRP. <laughs> yeah, no real person involved. <laughs> uh, and so the uh, <laughs> uh, basically the the way that you know the way that Logan brings Kendall back into his uh, fold makes him his his lapdog again is to cover all of that up and basically say if you you know if you don't do what i say you're gonna go to jail and so kendall spends all of season two kind of doing his dad's bidding uh being this broken version of himself uh great scene that i'm sure we'll get into when he kind of realizes that and it finally hits a point at the end of season two where it looks like kendall's gonna have to take the fall for a big uh a culture of horribleness in uh the cruise line that tom and greg have been Uncle Bo, Neil's boy, Uncle, Uncle Mo, Mo. And, and Uncle Mo, of Uncle course. Mo. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Blaylock and Uncle Mo go way back. Uh, Birds of so a feather. When, when Kendall realizes, you know, of course, I'm going to have to take the fall for this. This might be a bridge too far. I think he realizes what his dad's been doing to him the whole time and uh, chooses to take him out at the knees, uh, pretty much put a bullet in his dad's head at the uh, prepared press conference at the end of season two and saying, a lot of people want me to take the fall for this. I'm not going to be doing that because my dad is the true issue and he needs to be stopped, essentially. Did I miss anything? No, I think no, that's, that's it. Other than just the running through line of Logan not being able to decide on succession. a succession plan. Yeah. And he that turns into his almost like fight against mortality a little bit where he doesn't want to make that decision because I think yeah. it, it, once he does, it's like he's, he's just going to fade from there. And you see it when... At his birthday party, I think that was like the seventh episode of season two, where he, he you find you rarely see him like unsure, and he's talking to Shiv, and now she's manipulating him to go in with Rhea because she knows that all this bad news is coming out. Um, but he, even then, when he makes the decision, you can tell he's not happy with it, right? So it's just like that's the I think the through line through the through both seasons is that he just can't make up his mind because he doesn't trust anyone else to be in charge. That's why it's like in Shakespearean in the sense of Lear, right? So it's like this aging king is he knows that his time is sort of running out, but is also like angry about it. And there's these all these, you know, shuffling beneath him. It Succession is so much better about that idea than like Game of Thrones ever was, right? Like of who will actually run the world when I'm gone. And, you know, because it it the emotions are truer to... I think like human emotions then just like, Oh, I'm going to knife someone in the neck. And, <laughs> and that's what I think makes it so great. It's just like, and the, the music kind of 
gives it this always this ominous sort of feel. And, and not only is it a sort of story about power and like mortality and men aging, and it's a, a story about how the world is changing, the media is changing, and how the uber wealthy don't have to sort of suffer for any of their sins and stuff. I, I don't know if you guys have ever spent any time around like literal like billionaires, but I've, I've sort of a, a, had a couple times in my career where I've kind of you know, been at a party or been invited to come along to some sort of thing as a part of a story. And it's super like they, they are very good about being true to that idea of like when you bounce through the world with like knowing that no, there will be no consequences for anything you say or do and nothing can be sort of taken away from you by some slip up. You act in a very like sort of unsettling way to all the other people around you. And I think that's what they are so good at, like, especially with like Roman's character and even, you know, Shiv's character is just like, all right, you know, like we're just going to fucking say what we want to say and do the things we want to do. And no one's ever going to be like, whoa, that was inappropriate, you know, because they don't want to like enrage the king or enrage this royal family. Essentially, Americans don't have royalty, but we do have these weird kind of class of people who are, just above and beyond any sort of consequences. And that's, I think that makes it great. Randy, did we miss anything? No, I was, I, I said, well, we, we don't need to color in, but the potential acquisition of Pierce, I, I think is, is a fun little uh, plot through most of season two. A big yeah, cool part ahead. about that too, is that I, I feel like they don't, uh, they did a good job of kind of making fun of the, it could have turned into just a caricature of, you know, the Fox news type, media as well but i thought they did a great job of kind of taking the air out of the balloon of kind of the elite liberal media as well you know and and seeing like a lot of the the ways that you know the pierces are are kind of hiding a lot of the same stuff and have a lot of the same insecurities and uh that there was i really enjoyed that they did that because otherwise it it can turn into kind of a one-way fight which i don't think is the point of the show that was one of my favorite episodes what was the name of the Vacation. Uh, Turnhaven. Turnhaven. We have miles to go. And, you know, they just hide behind their their quotes, you know, from Joyce or Emerson or whoever. Uh, but at the end of the day, like they have this horrible, awkward dinner. And then oh. at the end of the, you know, the next morning, it's like, yeah, well, we still need the money, you know? Right. And it's like, d- d- like everything <laughs> went wrong for that to like be the conversation that they had the next morning. But it's like, yeah, but money's the only thing that matters, yeah. even to, you know, the, who, the, the principled uh operation so just to, to touch on that like the the pierces whatever one of the one of the kids who has like 11 degrees or whatever like he gets into it with connor and they're like going at it and like by the morning they're like best friends it's like the so the parody of like the absurdist kind of far left and like idiotic libertarian right becoming like buddies by the morning over like various alcohol is so funny to me because it's like i've seen that play out in like numerous times yeah we shared a bottle of port and i offered him state uh, <laughs> <laughs> the con heads man oh the con heads yeah um, or when roman gets at it's at the table and he's trying to be like what, what books have you read oh uh, you know i read this like you know it's about uh you know, uh, you know <laughs> making up the book you know and that's where that's where the these characters are so out outrageous but you can you know you can think back to a dinner party you'd be like that guy's straight up bullshitting right you know he's just like making this up yeah you know, to fit in right and it's it's very that's very relatable so i i thought yeah the the, the whole turnhaven episode and and the the dinner with the pierces was one of my favorites i it, it is interesting though because it's 
It it does juxtapose that. Well, one line that stuck out to me was Nana Pierce at, at kind of the beginning of the family party, um, telling Rosie, their like housekeeper, like, "Oh, you must have a drink with us, Rosie." And she's like, "Oh, I can't." You know, I go, "Oh, you okay?" Well, you know, it, it, like this so con- hard. Yeah, yeah, this condescending tone where I'm like, God, I don't know if that's any better than just Logan and, and the Roy family treating the help like they're not even there. You know, at the end of the day, it's it, it's at least they're not pretending to be something they're not. Another small thing from that same episode that I caught the second time around was Nan Pierce bringing the, you know, perfect pot roast out like she cooked it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you can see um, the same woman standing in the background just kind of like. Yeah, fuck this, right? Like, oh, you know, yeah, oh, we just whipped this up, you know, while you guys were all waiting around. It that was such a subtle thing that I I like love the second time around. Well, I think they have there's all kinds of those little echoes in in those episodes, if I'm remembering right too, where you know, you kind of had that at the end of the first season when Logan's had his his stroke or brain hemorrhage, whatever, and and he's trying to, you know, cut the turkey and and he kind of pretends like he does and he, yeah. everyone's like, Oh, well done. Well done. And then they take it <laughs> off. Like the real guy who's actually going to carve it takes it away. There's all these kind of echoes between the two families that they do such a good job of. Poor, poor Ath just told the story on the um, shotgun start the other day about Patrick Reed and how he'd heard that like a, one of the golf program, or whatever came to Patrick Reed's house to film uh, something. And Patrick was like, Oh, well, I want to cook for you guys while I'm here. Oh, and it yeah. amounted to like, Patrick Reed's chef like coming over and telling him like when to turn the hot dogs and the burgers. <laughs> Patrick Reed like pretended that he'd he'd made the whole meal. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, Reed, the Reed's house, I know they you know Succession seems to have a pretty endless budget, but if they need a you know a faux millionaire looking type type place to shoot, couches. yeah, I think the tartan couches and the checkerboard floors and the yeah. Reed house could be a great location. I was gonna say so, just. Just to make sure we tie a few golf things into this, that I you look at some of Rory's majors and it looks like no real person was harmed in him winning it. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> the, the top ten of those, other than the Phil Ricky one, was is pretty bleak. <laughs> that might that uh, that's that's got legs, KBV. That's a, it might that's, NRPIs on the yeah. leaderboard. <laughs> Rory, yeah, I feel like Rory's got some uh, some whiffs of Bill, the former uh, cruises, the head yeah. of cruises. Uh, oh man, Kinda, everybody loves everybody loves Bill, man. God, that's really nice. That's really nice. We're, we still have to kill him. The Randy had to kill him. Oh, I, oh, I don't want to see Bill. I, I don't want to see Bill if I have to kill him. <laughs> hey, everybody. Real quick, Randy here. I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Gooder. If you've tuned into Ryder Cup coverage last month or the NLU pod recently, you've probably heard us talking about a new brand that we're using and loving right now, and that's Gooder. Gooder is making moves in the golf world, and we're stoked to partner up. Their polarized golf sunglasses bring more fun to the fairways. Sergio Garcia is uh, currently sporting the Falkers Fever Dream model. Uh, they have tons of of good model names. What, let's see, Back Nine Blackout is one. It's all in the hips. Uh, just knock it on going to Valhalla. These are all different types of models of their golf sunglasses. All gooders are 100% UV protective, 100% polarized. Their frames are snug and lightweight with a comfortable fit to prevent bouncing while you're not laying up on the golf course. Polarized golf sunglasses that look good. Don't move when you swing all starting at $25. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to be part of the Roy family. You don't have to be part of the Pierce family. You don't have to be an American elite to afford these sunglasses. They're fun, affordable, and look good on and off the course. If you want to support 
the show. Go snag a pair or two. Get 15% off with code TRAPDRAW. All one word, TRAPDRAW at Gooder.com. That's 15% off your entire order with the code TRAPDRAW at Gooder.com. G-O-O-D-R.com. Look good. Golf Gooder. And now back to our conversation. Uh, I think just a couple other things since we're, we'll probably end up looking more backwards than forward, but just a couple other things to set up going into season three. Of course, it looks like uh, there's a great trailer put out by HBO. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw, but the uh, it looks like season three is all going to be kind of the the Logan Kendall showdown wrestling for the company as we've kind of seen the first two seasons. But other stuff to keep in, keep in mind, uh, what happens to Tom and Shiv's marriage that basically kind of falls apart at the end of uh, the end of season two in a couple of spectacular spectacular scenes please julius uh (laughs) marriage was shanghai into a free trade fuck fest or whatever that that was a historic line no borders no borders free trade fuck fest uh that's very interesting to see what happens there i think uh we're probably going to see Marsha back in the picture i think they spent so much time yes talking about her in season one and kind of showing her as this almost like lady Macbeth uh pulling all the strings while while the king is down type of character and then she kind of goes mia for a good bit of of season two when when logan's spending a lot of time with Rhea, perfectly cast holly hunter rules Mousy uh, Rhea. she's so good uh so yeah i think those are those are kind of the big the big things we're looking forward to uh when we kick back I, up, I would Sunday. say in same with Shiv and Tom, I think Greg and Tom's relationship, yeah, yeah. because that's like uh, almost like a marriage in a way too. So what happens? They really, does that get flipped on its head? Right. Greg and Tom really are my favorite couple on TV. Like there's nothing <laughs> that I enjoy more. I, I, they must almost have to like ration out like, okay, we can't have too many Greg and Tom scenes because the interplay between them is so friggin' great. And it's just the two, those two actors could not be better cast for those roles and just the way that it's amazing that the guy plays Tom is British to me because he comes off in such a Minnesotan sort of like, you know, fake nice kind of, but like biting kind of awesome. It's, it's just, I love uh, anytime they're on screen. Yeah. He, I just, I listened to HBO's pod with him um, a couple days ago and he's very British. He's the voice of Herod's. The department oh, really? store in really? London, like he's the guy that's like Harrods is closing, you know, like he's like the perfect <laughs> really? British voice. And he was talking about how the accent, he was really stressed out about it. And you can see he's like, when they ask us to improvise, I go high, like I start, you know, because like he feels more comfortable. <laughs> so it's an it's very interesting to me as well that he's British and and like prototypical, like the perfect British voice in a way. I have I would, so many notes written down just from like my rewatch and almost I, I'd say 60% of it is just Tom and Greg quotes. Yeah. I think when he, when he, like all the shredding stuff is so good, but when Greg's talking about Watergate, like, you know, I, yeah, I never, I never studied that specifically, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying they all got <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I went just a, a brief, a Brexit, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I said brief aside, I went to like a wedding this summer and the photographer there was like the most Greg character of all time. He was like, um, hey guys, uh, would would you mind if I, um, just post you over here? Oh, 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 yeah. And and can I, can I maybe have some of your drink? I just haven't had anything to drink all day. Um, (laughs) oh, thanks. It was eerie. Like Tiffany and I were laughing so hard about it the entire, it was this like what the fuck <laughs> I, I know we'll we'll probably get into more like very specific character stuff but i think it's worth mentioning when, when we talk about greg i think tying back to some of the other stuff we talked about it's 
he's maybe the best example of the show in the show of the fact that the Roy's uh, like how they're able to just skip steps, right? Like, like whatever they, whatever they feel like blessing or whatever they feel like, you, you know, watering just grows into whatever they want. And, and I think Greg's the perfect example and a very buffoonish laughable example of that, where he starts out literally, you know, well, first of all is like the, you know, smoking weed in his car and in the mascot outfit. And then you see him, literally stealing break room snacks in a doggy bag and then it seems like we fast forward and he's in actual like congressional hearings yeah right <laughs> and just the fact that they can they can throw so much gasoline on anything they want and just say like oh no you don't have to worry about all you know all the hard work and like advancement and blah blah, blah. no like you're just you're one of the big players now it's also is just hilarious running through line, like his descent into just everything like that by the what last episode they're getting on the boat he's like yeah the boats are right like what is champagne it's not yeah, well, it's not my favorite it's not my favorite like his he's just become so drink comfortable it, it's fine and, well you can't uh, help but notice <laughs> yeah like immune to the wealth that, yeah. he, that in the first few episodes was like oh my god look at all this yeah. and it feels like such a it feels very quick but at the same time it's happened over 20 episodes yeah right but it's a huge change i got a question for the group when did Logan, when did it, or uh, excuse me, when did Kendall, when did it crystallize that he was going to stab his father? The the Judas kiss was pretty, pretty on the nose. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, he, I don't know that I totally grasped it the first time I, the first time I watched it. I think the way they kind of add some extra beats in the press conference and the way they, they show people's faces and stuff, you can tell something's, something's going to happen. I don't. You know, I definitely won't claim to to say that I I could see the whole thing coming, but on rewatch, it was a little. There's a lot of tells. I didn't see it coming first time around. I was I blown away, and I think like up there in the pantheon of TV moments, the uh, the proud look on Logan's face mm-hmm. so to, good. to end the season is like historic stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Then you think about like like I, second time around, you notice like oh, Greg gets on the helicopter with him. Didn't notice that the yeah. first time around. So then. When they're hanging out in the you know apartment that you know uh, Kendall's paying for, like have they been doing? The, have they been talking about this since the night at the wedding right. in season one? So I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm guessing we're going to get some clarity on that. You know, when uh, season three starts, though, like he's going to kind of give. Well, you can backstory. even see it in the trailer, just with Greg kind of almost serving like his de facto like PR media type person, right? And <laughs> talking about like who, what's trending on Twitter and. You know, Greg kind of becomes like his. You, you can from the trailer, anyways. It looks like Greg kind of becomes his right hand man, which is which I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the trailer has storyline for season three is uh, what is what is Romulus going to do? Yeah, is he he's? I feel like Logan's going to hand him the keys in a way. Uh, you know, maybe he and and Jerry, the power couple, um, are kind of next in line now. But he's probably going to be like, ah, oh, man, I kind of want to be over there with Kendall. Like, I, I think that's the future. Um. So does he jump ship or does he, you know, see the best route to power is sticking through with his dad? So that's that's a something I'm I'm watching for. Just commenting on the trailer real quick, like it is I watched it this morning and I was thinking like this is a perfect example of some of the like great details that succession gets that are so stupid but are so true to life is when they they get in the car, it's right after Logan has sort of betrayed him, and Carol is like I Kendall, like this is a company car. Like I'm not sure you work for the company anymore. Like you just, you know, and it's, it's like the sort of 
like did you know should we really be like riding in the company car at this moment like and he's like are you in for the revolution or not carol like, right <laughs> i i think the scene that really on the on the rewatch like crystallized it was when kendall was sending naomi off the yacht and she was like you know logan only likes the broken version of you and i i, I think you know she was obviously it seemed like really good for kendall and I, I don't know, like on the rewatch, there are just little moments where, where, and even him in Dundee at the, at the kid's um, parents' house that, you know, he was in the car with and when he was killed, like him washing his cup and, and going back to give money, just, just little transformations that I think culminated then in, in that final scene where, um, you know, when his, when his dad, Logan tells him, you know, you're just not a killer. And I, I think, I, I think that was, the cherry on top but i don't think in that moment i don't think that's when kendall decided to to cross him at, at least that that was my read i, I think I, uh I, i'm with you on the naomi pierce scene i think that's maybe one of my favorite scenes in the series just because to go back to the writing again it's they do such a good job maybe better than any show i've ever seen at really uh everything's pretty abstract and pretty you know We'll let you read between the lines. We're gonna sh we're gonna show you. We're not gonna tell you. And then they do such a good job of every now and again, just like bold underline highlight. Here's the point. And that's so hard to do without. I would assume I'm not a TV writer, but that seems like something that's so hard to do without being Mr. Exposition Man and being like, here's you know, here's the obvious thing you're supposed to take away. And they do such a good job of handling all those things like tactfully without and being sorted with, without being yeah without being way too obvious without being way too over the top but like naomi pierce if, if you you know read that line like it could seem kind of cringy or obvious or whatever but it just ties the entire season together and says so much in mm -hmm. such a small sentence right and it, it they do they do that over and over there's a scene with stewie that does that there's seen a bunch of scenes with shiv that do that i mean it's just it, it's yeah. so impressive I, that's a great point dj i think like if I had to boil it down to like what makes Succession great is it does a better job of hiding the exposition than any show I think that I've ever watched. Like there's no like this is what this is this is going to be about. It's all through dialogue and the inner the relationships between the people. I I was thinking maybe we could just talk we talk a lot about the writing but like some of the acting to me yeah. I I and started the out the casting, the casting and the acting is it's all so blend so well together. I started out kind of being annoyed by the Kendall character and thinking like, I don't know, it's like just is Jeremy Strong is such a like dopey sort of like looking guy and Kendall and and by the dude, end of no, no, season dude. one, two, dude, listen, dude, listen, no. let, let me finish. Let me finish. No, let me dude, finish. Dude, it's dude, cool. Dude, I got it. I got it. No, dude, I got dude, it. Yeah. I can do this. <laughs> he is such a good actor. I mean, he is unbelievable at playing this broken person and playing this so this try hard like so desperately wants to be cool and cannot figure it out i mean i i am so blown away by jeremy strong's acting at the end of this that i just freaking love him and bro, hey bro can you turn the bass up back the, here uh, the, the headphones the, the douchey headphones he's always wearing like the, How about the, the fact fedora he's, in the last episode he's, like he's it's so good that the outfits and everything he he does he nails that uh like not cool but it doesn't matter because i'm so rich exactly well it's just the idea of being this it's weird he's it's like meta but he does this kind of uh 
you know, self-loathing, but not really, but yes, but kind like he, the fucking song he's listening to when he's running is North American scum by <laughs> LCD sound system. Like, dude, that, like that song's about you, man. And, uh, he, so he, he's almost like self-aware, but not really. It's just this awesome combination of a million different things. <laughs> the other I, thing I'd, I'd want to point out, we've talked about the writing and we could go, talk for hours about the acting but the uh and dj i want to get your opinion on this as a man that's been deep in some editing is the the way they shoot it with the it's almost like reality tv yeah. meets shakespeare the, totally. the camera's always wobbling it's always zooming at this weird time it keeps me at first i found that very annoying and then you know again watching it the second time you're like god this is it's basically trying it's almost like reality tv of like there's this camera crew following them around like it's below deck basically on the you know the last episode like the bravo show you know and i think that was that's really uh clearly conscious and i think it's it's um it serves the show well i think they pick their spots when they do that also and i think they i don't know i hadn't really thought about it i guess but i, I think they do it to heighten the tension right like the camera's always moving and snap zooming and like doing all these crazy handheld things to just make all these otherwise fairly boring like corporate takeover type moments feel life or death right and and they do a great job i think of balancing that with okay now here's like the most beautiful shot of you know iceland or greece or whatever that you that you've ever seen and it's just so cool where they i think all the other stuff looks so well shot and beautiful and uh like composed and put together that when they do go into kind of the you know, hectic mode. It just ramps everything up and ramps up the tension and and makes everything feel very uh, uncertain. Like that so, shot in the last episode of the fi the fishing boat. Oh my in god! In front of so the good. yacht, it looks it like it's like, like it just decimated. that looked like something from a you know PTA movie, yeah, like the master. Exactly. You know, yeah. when they're going under the bridge. I was like, God, what a what also kind of like uh, Caddyshack a little bit too. I think too, like the gets blown away. Oh yeah. <laughs> One that I think think about as we're talking about this is the the takeover scene at the end of the first season where it, like Kendall's trying rushing to get back to the shareholders meeting and they're like the camera's panning around to all these people at the table and Logan's like who you got you know you come on Romulus like <laughs> and you can tell like you know Roman doesn't have the guts to vote against he's like. He's like, make sure your hands all the fucking yeah. way up. <laughs> and you better be scratching your armpit, Romulus. <laughs> yeah, and it just like it keeps cutting back between like various characters, and then it cuts back to Kendall running, and it's like that's it's almost like an action movie sequence, which is essentially like a a vote of no confidence, a bored thing. Like exactly, how, how do you make that the tension of that? But it's it all has built to that moment, and that's why it resonates so good. The way you get to see all the characters interplay and like the the betrayals or potential not betrayals happening. Which is so cool. Like so, again, watching it, watching it back the second time, it that does such a cool job of almost flattening in a good way all the drama. Like it makes the the you know vote like the corporate board meeting feel the same as literally the active shooter in the building, right? Like they're both shot in the same way that makes everything feel like it almost has equal stakes. And mm -hmm. that's I, I just I don't think it works as well if that's your one gear if that's like sure. every single sh scene that we're doing is mm -hmm. shot that way but they do such a better job of or not a better job they do such a good job when you have you know the scene where it's like all right now here's logan watching a baseball game by himself like th they let those just breathe in such a better way and you you're constantly going up and down rather than you know just keeping you in one like it's not like you're watching 24 or something right yeah. like they they're not trying to make it a an action series they just have a ton of restraint on when they're when they're actually hitting the right notes. It's just, it's fucking 
it's so impressive to watch. I uh, we since we I mean just to pivot a few on the other acting like I, we talked about Tom and Roman but like Brian Cox is sort of like holds the whole thing together right if he wasn't constantly like doing a really great job of pivoting back and forth between like is he senile like is he sort of falling apart to mean is he actually like a mastermind like, I love the therapy episode where you know he sort of fakes his way through therapy and he's like oh okay i'm sorry and then they get when kendall Everything shows I've done up is for my kids yeah and he just keeps then, saying the same line over and over yeah and then kendall shows up later all high and he's like family therapy <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and he comes in and they have like the real actual therapy session sitting around the kitchen and you know he says you're a nobody you're nothing and he he basically just like completely like cuts off tom's balls and says you're you're marrying someone who you never know will never like betray you uh, because you don't want it that and then right at the end of it like he almost goes over and fights Kendall and they have that great scene and then he storms away and he, he reaches for an apple and he like bites the apple and he like storms off and it's like <laughs> such a perfect old man like angry old man kind of thing I, Brian Cox is just he's awesome he he was a he was a character and a performance that I, I really enjoyed a lot more the second time through I, mm-hmm. I think he was more I you know I, I was just more put off by him maybe the, the first mm-hmm. watch and I, I just, I think I picked up a lot more on his even facial expressions and the the timing of some of his lines. Uh, and honestly, like just a, a little bit of his wisdom. Like he he's a lot smarter character, you know, with the negotiations with Pierce, like him essentially bottom lining it with it's about the money. Um, my favorite I, I just You want to know my favorite line from Shakespeare? Yeah. Take the fucking money. Good money. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I think he just came, like he, he was just, he was so sharp to me that that second time through. Well, he's very, uh, he's very charismatic. You know, like mm-hmm. Rhea, Rhea says this, he's very magnetic when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the second time through, something I like a running storyline is, I feel like anytime he's in a vehicle, whether it's a car, sometimes a helicopter, that's the only time that, he, like, he seems like a naturally restless character, and it's the only time he can't get away. So yeah. that's where you get a lot of good stuff from him, like the Rosebud stuff on the way to uh, his party. You know, like Connor's like, tell us a story, Pa. And he's like, oh, you want a Rosebud story? Rosebud's a dollar bill. Get me the fuck out of here. You know, like stuff like that. It's like you get a sense of what he really feels. And like, and or it's where he freaks out, like in a helicopter, you know, it, because he can't, he feels claustrophobic. Whereas everywhere mm-hmm. else in his house, in the in the office, he's always wandering away. Like, you know, at Argestes, he's walking up to Tom, like, act like you're talking to me so I don't have to talk to this other person. It's just a lot of him avoiding everybody until those moments. There's something really cool about that too that Succession does. Going back to Kevin, your your kind of billionaire take that you said earlier is seeing basically all sides of someone like Logan Roy is so cool too because you see him at home being just like a miserable fucking prick to everybody and you also have to see how he just floats in on like, oh, Senator, how are you? And he, you know, he's also got to know about like wine and like he's got to be able to just float in these uh he's he's just got to be able to wear so many different uh hats and personalities and it's just really fun to see all those kind of play off each other it's speaking of hats like that hat he wears is (laughs) i I think it's so hideous he's always got that ascot kind of scarf on just like little touches like that little flourishes uh, they just keep me they, they, they keep me chuckling i think he does such um, a good job in that let the final scene of season one where he sort of acts kind of lovingly in a way towards Kendall 
in essentially to manipulate him into sort of you know not gutting his company, but really walking the line between like I actually care about you and I actually don't want you. I want to you know quash your betrayal because I think it's a little of both. Like there's some. I think it was a New Yorker piece about where they asked Jesse Armstrong like that. Um, I think Brian Cox maybe it's a Times piece where he said when he first read the script he was like all right tell me you know i want to know something like does logan love his children and he was like they were like yeah he's like okay that's going to be like the through line like he so he does love them on some level but he also fucking hates them like it's it's what kendall says in that therapy session where he's like you're so jealous that we didn't grow up in poverty like that you gave us everything and we didn't live this like fucking struggle life and you hate us for it but he also kind of loves them so he's he sees a way to like reconnect with Kendall and bring him back into the fold and and also you know like he knows like Kendall's probably the actual heir right he doesn't actually believe that Shiv could be the person to run the company or else he would just give it to her and and that's why he keeps manipulating her too because he knows like I want her sort of you know to to worship me and love me but I actually don't want her to run the company like it's too much of an old school misogynist so he's just trying to get Kendall back to the point where he can actually be like all right when I die you will actually carry on my legacy at this and he's, I think that he's, in a lot of senses, very honest. Like when he does get trapped in the in the car, or I mean, maybe it's like a perverted honesty, but it's it's like he he almost doesn't say a lot because he knows he's like, well, I'm going to disappoint you. Like you're going to hate what I actually think, you know. So like, do you really want to ask me that, yeah. you know? So then when he when he finally, because every like the rosebud thing again, it's like, God, that sucks, man. Like it's just all about the money. It's like, well, yeah. Like what else do you want from me? Right. You know. So. He is he is who we thought he was, right? <laughs> and I, you see that with um, in the final episode of uh, season two on the yacht with Connor. Even when when Connor goes to ask him for you know just just like a li- like a hundred million, I'm not like really just... liquid pop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Logan, spot. yeah, and Logan dances around it for a little bit, and then he's just like, "Connor, you're a fucking embarrassment." And <laughs> Connor's like, oh, "Thanks for the honesty, pop." Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, you're exactly you know, right. It doesn't there, have Neil to be this, but some, something like you know the event of the season, or you know, kill for yeah. a ticket. Yeah, it, it's I, I do respect his honesty. I think though, Neil, to to your point, like he 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 does bottom line it a lot of times. Um, but then, but then he also he like the scene in the car on the way to the airport to get to Scotland. He's in the car with Romulus, and he's like, they're talking about him hitting him in Argestes, and he's like, you know, I I. I don't do that. You know, it's like, <laughs> so that's where sometimes you're like, huh? So like, that's, you just blatantly like, but you did, but you did do it and you know, you did it, you know? So I have a tough time, but then I guess that just goes back to him. Uh, I think he's honest, like when it's convenient. Right. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. he, he's honest when it, when it suits him and when it, it behooves him. Yeah, like sure. he's, he's when happy to be him. honest. To, he's happy to be honest to Connor because he is getting embarrassed. Yeah. Right. If it was like, yeah. if, if it had nothing to do with him, like he's not honest with Connor on like, Hey, you know, maybe your girlfriend shouldn't be a prostitute. Like mm-hmm. nobody seems to have that conversation with him. Yeah, uh, because nobody cares because he's kind of off doing his own thing. Uh, is there any uh, minor character minor characters that we want to hit on? Whether it's uh, well, sh- should we do oh our character God. ranking? I feel like that's uh, yeah. Let's. I, I was thinking the same thing. We've kind of been dancing around it, but I ask yeah. all you guys to rank your your seven favorite characters, and I, I'm really curious if where our consensus lies. So I. Maybe it's Should we all just about go around like in the, in the seventh spot? You want to go spot by spot? What What do you think is the best way to to tackle this? Yeah, let's let's go. Everyone seventh. We'll we'll go reverse order. 
Oh God. Okay. Right, you guys start. Yeah. Uh, I'm I have happy to kick it off. I I, okay. I had Logan just to to put a a button on this. I put Logan as my seventh just because you kind of have to respect the guy that you know. Basically, what I wrote was like everything we already said. He's perfectly cast. He holds the whole series together. But every single thing that happens on this show is about him, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is either something he directly impacted or decided, or it's some reaction to get his attention, or it's some. It's just it, every he's at the center of literally every single thing that happens on the show, and you know you gotta just uh, you recognize the pressure that that comes with that, and Brian Cox just continues to deliver on every front. I uh, I've got a, a left field one, uh, Lawrence, the uh, oh, Lawrence Yee, yeah, yeah, the, the tech Walter oh. Titan, <laughs> you know, that took the whatever twenty billion dollar buyout. You know, I just think he is the perfect archetype of that you know, took the money and lost control of his operate, you know, how visionary that now can't do what he wants. And then he just gets owned by Kendall and spits in his face. And just the whole thing, like the dinner with him and Romulus uh, and Lawrence's boyfriend at the, you know, at this swanky restaurant and the way he's like despises the people that he sold his, his company to, and mm-hmm. they represent everything he doesn't want his company to be. And yet he can't do anything about it. Yeah. I just think that that's a awesome, uh, um, support again, a supporting character that's bringing out the worst in the family in some ways. Uh, that's the Lawrence's character. I think uh, I saw a bunch of deadspin people who, you know, had experienced essentially exactly what happened when they killed Volter. And it was like, this is the best depiction of like how, media companies are truly like gutted and dismantled it's like you know they're just like yeah fucking pack up your things like there's no like sentiment of like oh we wish we could hold you guys together it's just like oh give us 50 ideas by tuesday and then you get fired on friday kvv i I worked for a company a tech research company folded on a monday at 3 p.m so that whole scene was and it was similar it was just like conference call cool everybody's gonna get paid for another month but we raised like 40 million dollars and this is not a high growth business and we can't make payroll so we're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna stop now you know and as a 24 year old i was like okay cool but then like some guy in the new york office like what about our health insurance you know he's got like three kids it's like jesus man like so that I, i agree with you on that like that whole situation and lawrence being the uh um the character for that was perfect yeah my uh i in my seventh hole i have i god he might be a little underranked but i have connor roy um and i just think he is so on the nose for like what they want him to be like has never had a job in his life Hmm. yet thinks he like in his head thinks he can be president i i just find the best um it is just so checked out from reality in a certain sense like the taxation equals theft is <laughs> or or the like uh, just shoot it into my veins it's... right like him him fist pumping in the hearings <laughs> the yeah. Of a meme. yeah 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 like even like um what was the scene where he's oh god i forget who he's talking to but he's talking about like hyper decanting his wine his shiv you can <laughs> age your wine five years in 10 seconds yeah you have you're not hyper decanting. or is his neighbor in in taos is, is a like <laughs> a, what a pesticide yeah like magnet you know he's like oh dad my neighbor wants to meet you he's like it it's he is perfect he's he's just totally oblivious um and just I, the, the perfect just rich kid that's always been given everything and just has no idea about anything um, is he technically is he 
Logan's son from a previous marriage. Yeah, I think, I think the, he's just the, the oldest first son, right? wife. The first yeah, but wife. it's his first wife. He's not the oh, three. The other three kids. Technically, he's like a gotcha. stepbrother. Gotcha. And okay. I figured that out on the second watch, yeah, which think I which also that. I think adds a ton of uh, like yeah. complexity to the totally. character. It makes me makes me totally. pay attention even more because that's a whole dynamic that I hope they explore more. Like the stepbrother. Yeah. That, but he's the oldest. But he's kind of from like the you know woman that nobody talks about anymore. You know, mm -hmm. so that's good stuff. I, I had spoiler alert. Connor much higher on my list. Yeah, I love, I I'm a, I'm a huge. Huge con head. You're con head. Huge con head. Uh, but there's there's a great Jerry Seinfeld joke that I'm gonna definitely uh, butcher and and steal from. But where he he's basically talking about the president, and he says like, "Can you imagine? You know how? Imagine looking at the world and being like, one person has to be in charge of these 350 million people. Imagine like what kind of deranged person? Think, like, yeah, I think I think I'm the guy for the job. Like, I think that should be me. And Connor's just like such a perfect uh example of that right mm -hmm. like and Randy I'm so with you they they caught one of my favorite I think archetypes in the entire world to make fun of is just the like ultra confident libertarian who's never done anything it you know just like why isn't everybody brilliant like me mm -hmm. is uh just the worst possible vibe and and they do such a good job of Again, perfectly cast. Alan Ruck is the funniest person in everything he's in. He's just he was he was number three on my list. Huge, huge fan. Love it. Who was your who was your seventh teach? Uh Logan. Logan. He, Logan. Yeah, yeah. Logan. he started it. KVV, okay. your seventh. Uh I went with Shiv as my seventh. Like I think Shiv is sort of a very underrated character. Um I it's it's fun to in a very male kind of dominated world see how she sort of fits in and out, like some of her uh interplay with tom is fucking amazing and um i don't have this like a specific shiv moment uh i mean the actress is obviously she's australian she's very beautiful um and so it's like an interesting kind of interplay there between like she her being this like kind of confident sexual creature but you know basically like marrying this doofus uh who you know as logan says like she, she's he kind of i think correctly diagnoses that she's only marrying him because she knows that he'll never betray her and stuff. And so I thought about going with Jerry in that spot. Uh, cause Jerry's like really good in a lot of various moments, but, um, I went with Shiv, uh, in the, in seven. I think the scene with Shiv, uh, I think she was my Joe Lunardi first, first person out, mm -hmm. uh, of, of my, my bracket, but she's obviously every character on the show is great, but the scene in the, is it the last episode or the second to last episode of season two, where she's talking to the victim, about yeah. like just getting her to change her mind is a perfect example of again like nobody's that smart or put together in real life like no no human speech ever sounds like that but like holy shit that might be one of the best pieces of writing i've yeah, she, seen how she very long pulled time. that off oh my god it's mm -hmm. so good perfectly delivered it's just she's she's so good i go back and forth almost episode to episode sometimes scene to scene where i'm like team shiv i like i hope she like breaks through and and takes the company and then i'm like ah oh, god i don't really like shiv like i i, I hope tom like tells her off it, yeah. it's it's and i think that's a credit to her acting and the character ranking the characters it's like do you, the characters you like the most or the ones that are the most influential or yeah technically like, awesome because that's like i feel that way about raya where i'm like i yeah. don't like her but like mm -hmm. she's, she's excellent yeah. excellent performance in mm -hmm. in every way so mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a tough one for you know how I'm going to rank them is different than how you guys are going to rank sure. them. Sure. 
Well, well let's, KBB, let's you mentioned back it, around. Yeah. Yeah. Number six, I had Jerry, uh, mm-hmm. the the chief legal counsel. Chief Hitress. Chief Hitress. Uh, she just uh, fucking makes for it. clarity. Yeah, DJ, I'm joining you here. She's six on my list. Well, why don't you why don't you start? Oh well, she plays like the the loyal company person so well, right? Like uh she she eats a lot of shit, you know, like when they put her as the successor CEO on paper and then they just like make fun like, well, we know Jerry, like Jerry can't really do it. Uh, she'd be the first to tell you. And I think uh, that was one of my favorite Jerry lines. And she's like, well, maybe the second person. Um, <laughs> uh, but then you get a little nuance with, with, uh, or, or a little depth, I guess with, with her and Roman, um, you are such you know, a nasty little boy. Yeah. She leans into that like Disgusting. dominatrix role. Um, I, I don't know. She, she just is, um, she's kind of ever present. I, I, it's a great performance. I, I think again, it's like, it's perfectly cast. Like the, the actress playing Jerry, it's, it, I, I just think it's, it's wonderful. Just those scenes with Roman like creep me out so much, but I think they're so essential to Roman's character. It's like they make me uncomfortable, but that's the perfect thing that they're supposed to do. Like the his his kink being humiliation is so fucking good. <laughs> I think Jerry has maybe the driest delivery on the whole. Mm-hmm. Show. everything she says, like I think I, I'm locked up with you, Randy. Like she's she's the perfect kind of corporate soldier. But I think what makes the performance so good is that. You also, whether it's her face or her throwaway lines or whatever, you can clearly see that like she's so self-aware of how fucked up everything. Is. <laughs> but she's like, and and maybe this is like a, a small wrinkle, but the fact that her husband died and she probably doesn't have you know just a, a ton else kind of going on, and I think she's kind of dove headfirst into this world. I think she's kind of along for the ride, but. It's so fun to see someone who clearly knows how bad and messed up what they're doing is on every front, including the Roman stuff, obviously. Uh, but also it's just like, well, fuck, I don't know. I guess it's the job. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and she does such a good job of that. I love love watching her. Any more uh, thoughts on Jerry? Because I, I was my sixth is Connor, and we kind of already talked some about it, but I was just one of my favorite lines in the I think it's the first seasons when connor like has planned the catering for his whole you know banquet for his dad and he's so pissed about the butter being hard <laughs> and he's like chewing out the chef and he goes it's a disaster there are, there are dinner rolls ripping out there as we speak <laughs> <laughs> it's like the perfect like pissed off rich person uh, like tantrum you know the dinner you can't the butter's not spreadable enough for the dinner rolls uh, oh, I, i've got i'm i'm on completely different uh Six. I got Senator Evis. Oh, oh. and 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 similar to this is a perfect casting and just represents the liberal congressional hearing senator that's trying to just up his political brand and is willing to horse trade Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then like how magnetic he is one on one and like the crazy hair and just like his uh i think they did everything except make him the the senior senator from vermont basically right? yeah <laughs> like it's it's you know a younger yeah uh less um curmudgeon-y version of bernie sanders and i just think that that character i want to see in season three more politics like mm-hmm. I th- and i feel like a prediction would be that logan's going to start leaning on some of his political capital to you know fight kendall Right, because those are those are like the 
you know, the arrows he still has in the quiver of like, I got to like the other senator at the hearing that's like the Republican so guy good. or whatever. He's like, Senator I, Roberts, I'd like to have a beer with you guys. You know, I like you guys, man. I just want the record to show that, you know, Senator so Roberts Evis from Missouri. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's great. And, and I, um, yeah. So I really struggle here though, because I had Marsha in there as sure. well. I think I, I really liked her a lot more on the rewatch. Uh, mm-hmm. So she's not six, but I, I want to talk about her for a second because I feel like all the reading and stuff I've done, everyone's like, oh, Marsha's out. Like she she got tossed aside because the character wasn't strong enough. But her the specific scene that, that got me was the long con she played on Rhea in the lead up to the surprise party. Like, mm. you know, n- letting her go through with that and just fading to the background, knowing how much Logan hates surprise parties and then just like let her – light herself on fire was was awesome well and they spent so much time in season one too like i was saying about you know they did the whole background check and she might have you know had a deep clean of her, yeah. her whole background before she moved to the u.s and they never really like circled back to any of that stuff so yeah. i feel like that's got to be just waiting under the surface for for season yeah three. i think i think i don't think marsh is done yeah that, that's what i'm i'm excited about because i think she has she's actually one of the yeah. characters that seems to have like the the she has her skeletons for sure but like actually uh tell tells logan what she thinks number one isn't isn't really scared of him um and is like maybe like in the best soul like the Mm -hmm. the the best person right and and it's funny to me that she seems to be everyone's pick like in pop culture of like the weakest character it's like everybody's drawn to like the shittiest people as as and everyone's like oh marcia stinks like i don't know i think she well i think the whole the whole show like you hear so many times they keep saying like, Oh, it's about family. It's all about family. Like she's the only one that seems like she's actually acting in the family's best interest. Right. And whether it's protecting Logan and she might be self-interested in, in doing that, but she's the only one where she says like, I'm going to be ruthless in protecting my family where it seems like she's actually telling the truth. I love that scene where she confronts Rhea and and like, doesn't so much confront her as just say like, you know, hey, I, are you being? I just hope you're being tested. You know, this so this is we all know what's going on here. Like it's yeah, it's very sly and so, and you don't even know really if Logan and Rhea like hooked up. And so it's just this very like cold, you know, like I'm on to you. Like I'm fully aware that you are, you know, what you're trying to pull. Uh, yeah. And uh, just and you know, just let me know. Uh, or when she gets what, drunk, how you want to proceed uh, at Turnhaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 she's like the only one that's just like fuck you, Logan, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do, yeah. you know? And it's like, then he's going to move her to the, move her to the side, but she's not going anywhere. Right. right? Like she's, she's still very much in control in a lot of ways. I feel like she's in control of her own destiny, but more by not everybody else, like Shiv, for instance, she overdoes it, you know, like at mm-hmm. that turn, like she, they can't help themselves. They do too much. And she's the only one that has any yeah. restraint. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, um, that's, that's fun to watch, especially the second time around. That's well said. KVV number six. Uh, I said had Connor is six, uh, oh, so right. I would say um, have we done you guys' other six yet? Because Roman yeah. is my fifth, mm-hmm. so uh, which Ooh, Romulus? Yeah, on any other show I could have Roman like top two, but um, I, I just it shows how strong I think in general the cast is that that Roman is fifth on my rankings. A strong fifth, but uh, maybe obviously the funniest he- like. He's never let me interject and say he's second on mine. Yeah, yeah. I had him at number number four. Yeah. Uh, just I mean, just this. The, I love when he goes to like middle middle management training. <laughs> God, yes. I should have put I should have put Brian on my list. Yes. Like, I, I, I work hard, but I do not play hard. Yes. Why would anybody play hard? <laughs> yeah. Even there, he's like trying to game game the system. Like it's 
uh, you know, except the croissant takes a bite and puts it right back down. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Uh, I forget what the line is, but he's, he, when he talks to Connor's, um, girlfriend slash, you know, prostitute, like early in the season about, um, basically calling her out for what she is. And like, it's, there is just so many really great, uh, Roman moments that I, I feel bad ranking him fifth, but, um, to me, like he's, I mean, I, I truly, I think I already said this, but I love the, the dynamic and the, he's, he, he's so cocky. And so like, I don't give a shit, whatever, but he can't stand up to his dad, despite all the bluster that he's talked about. Like, ah, it's obviously dad would do you if with positions reserved verse. So like, it's time to step up and fuck him over. And then in that moment, because Kendall's not there to be like his sort of surrogate father figure to stand up to his dad, like he can't vote against him. And the whole sort of thing falls apart because and and Roman's just like yeah well you know whatever fuck it you know so, <laughs> so. he I think to, what, to I, me, what I love about Roman is he he's basically like the id of the of the show right mm-hmm. where he the whole show or really the the Roy side of the family at least has they kind of hide things behind this veneer right like they're all mm-hmm. the same they all are willing to backstab and and do all these horrible things but at least most of them will will you know gussy it up with some sort of of uh pleasantries or veneer or decorum and roman just like cuts he just cuts right to mm-hmm. he, he he's constantly like saying the quiet part out loud yeah right and it's just it's it's really fun to watch i i that combined with uh his just total lack of interest i, I know this kind of improves as the series goes on but really where he starts out it's just a complete lack of interest in actually learning anything or getting better at his job and i remember when uh logan's in the hospital and they they go into that first meeting kind of the intro meeting is like co-coos or whatever they are and kendall's <laughs> trying to rally the troops and talking about how all these different sectors are going to get into and roman just <laughs> yeah man internet fucking game changer <laughs> or when the, when that when the satellite rocket when he watches that scene on his phone oh his phone off he's like nah i'm not dealing with this like that's that's so good just no, literally Jerry, washes Jerry, his hands yeah, yeah it, you you deal with this i'm out we were talking about him apologizing whatever and he's like sure man like he didn't apologize when he hit our au pair with his car it was her fault <laughs> for being too short <laughs> <laughs> He he is. Uh, I I have Roman as like the most stunted of the of the Roy children, right? Yeah. Like I to mm-hmm. me, he is he is a small child. He he can be cruel. He can be a truth teller. DJ, to your point, like he just bottom lines everything and and will just out and say it. Um, he's he's very stunted um, sexually. Like that yeah. scene with him and Tabitha. She's like, well, you want me to like be dead? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i i get the biggest kick out of though his inferiority complex to kendall i think and like when there's a scene in in season two when they're they're kind of both working and and kendall's over there just like going through all the 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 filings and paperwork of Walter and and uh roman's just over in his office just like looking over and he's like complaining to jerry like what's he doing like i don't i don't know what he's doing <laughs> like, like you can just tell the um he, he lacks that confidence around the office because he, he he you know he he just gets exposed for not being like i don't think he really knows what he's doing and i think he knows that and he he knows everybody else knows that it, it's just a great um character there, the, there's the so other, much going on with him 
thing that I I feel like all the a lot of other characters like even like the dinner with Lawrence I mentioned earlier, people feel sorry for him because he is mm -hmm. so stunted like physically and he's just like you know everyone's like oh that guy you know that poor guy a little bit uh, and I think uh, as a viewer you're kind of like feel bad for him a little bit too because you're like god man like you know if you grew up like that like that that sucks like of course he turned into this he's like the most honest of the three mm -hmm. uh well there's a great children or four a, children i guess there's a great line where they're talking to, i forget which episode it's in maybe the it might be the bachelor party episode where they're talking about uh put him in the dog cage and all that yeah. stuff and uh but there there's a parallel drawn to you know logan always said like you punish the runt and you you send them away and then that sends a message to motivate the others because you see kendall and shiv uh connor i guess to a, a lesser extent but as these like crazy you know like fairly put together like high functioning type people and uh meanwhile they sent you know, roaming away to military school when he was a kid. And that was just, again, there's all these little kind of like character building breadcrumbs throughout that, mm -hmm. that uh, add up to so much good stuff. One of my other favorite moments, just as to hit on Roman is when like Tom comes into like a meeting with a, the black eye or whatever, and he's trying to explain it away. He's like, Oh, you know, I'm just things got a little freaky deaky in the bedroom, yeah. you know, and, and oh, Roman's like, sister, huh? oh, cool. yeah, my sister, was... huh? Oh, let's no, let's explore that. Like what? Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but then what's what's so good too is so all this stuff is you know I, I again I agree with everything you guys said and then in the last episode of season two after the hostage you know the hostage situation when Roman's finally back on the boat he's the only one in the family that's kind of like hey so what do you think like can we you know kind of like grow up and like talk about stuff and you you see him kind of starting to reach out to the rest of the family just gets absolutely shit on when they're doing those yes. voices it's like yeah the, the muppet feeling. like the muppet voices <laughs> yeah and it's just like the big things and it's just like but they actually seem like they're enjoying each other's company they did but it's just funny to see roman be the person to to reach out and yeah and do that right well i think he even says like how team. am i the mature one here yeah, yeah. exactly mm -hmm. do you think that the uh you know turkish money was a test by logan like he knew that like see if Roman had the business acumen to sniff out like that that's the easy way out right that's what it symbolized to me of like yeah we could just go private and but that comes with its own host of problems and those guys are flaky and all that stuff I almost feel like Logan was never really into that he's almost just sending uh Roman to do it as a, a test of his you know can this kid actually like discern the world for himself basically i think you look at it either way either that is totally valid or like he just straight up doesn't have a lot of good options right and it, and yeah as the walls are kind of closing in it's just his options are getting worse and worse and his lieutenants and messengers are getting worse and worse and there's just like fewer plays fewer fewer people he can trust which is a good segue brings me to uh my number five Randy. i know you're gonna be psyched but uh our guy carl uh, oh God. Carl's so good. <laughs> like that, that's truly the uh, I don't think I caught it the first time around, but the, the second time around, it just absolutely every fucking scene he's in just derails me. His delivery of of everything when they're they're having the hyper stressful moment in uh Hungary. He's going around the table asking him, you know, what do you <laughs> what do you think? He's like, What do you think, Carl? Do you like it? I do. I do. I really do. I, I do. really do. <laughs> no, he's, or, or he's just sitting there, like, looks looks fine. He's like, I'm actually having a panic attack. I am right going now. to be perfectly honest. I am having a panic attack. <laughs> right now. Right now. Robert's like, God, Carl, you kind of look the same. <laughs> yeah. 
or or at the table when they're all throwing each other under the bus and and he's like oh thank you thank yeah. you for that oh Carl, yeah thank i mean you, Frank. oh you know like jerry's he's like to jerry like how about the like the first sports, grade recital sports lessons? massage she's like oh sports massages carl <laughs> thank you jerry you know it's like they're all just they're all just horrible it's well awesome. i don't think we ever thought it was just a name about a piece of paper yeah <laughs> Carl is like the lackey. God, he plays it so well. So Just good. the yes man uh, lackey. That that's a great one. Number five was Lo- Logan Roy for me, and and we've talked about him. But I, the the big thing I want to say is just how much more I liked him the second watch. So mm-hmm. I, you know, if anybody is is in a similar position where they didn't really like him, or I think if you rewatch, he 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 grows. Mm-hmm. Roman Logan was my fourth so that can sort of we can pivot quickly into that like he I just think was I mean I said he's he's maybe not the best character but is the glue that holds a lot of it together because obviously he it's all his actions dictate every plot point right and so that's a lot of weight to carry as an actor and you know just like the the insanity of the boar on the floor thing like we've got we're an hour and 20 of this we haven't talked about boar on the floor which just shows how rich the show is but like that you know what is it when uh i think it was tom is like says something like well that's not fair and he's like you think there's any fucking rules here <laughs> tom on the floor uh, i would love to read like have, what and just to back like- that up he goes to greg next and greg yeah. like tries to answer honestly he's like boar stand uh, over there boar and craig's like well i thought it was like to be honest you know <laughs> i actually have had some reservations as well on the floor <laughs> no that's not fair yeah I was being honest. There's a great like Vox piece that talks about how like his his weapon is humiliation. Like that, you know, he that's really that his power is his ability to humiliate other people, particularly his children, but like also politicians or various ways. And and that's such a great scene. Like, what the fuck is there's no point to bore on the floor? It's it's unclear if they've ever played bore on the floor before, if it's like a family tradition or whatever. It reminded me a little <laughs> bit in the in the beginning where they're when they go off and play the softball and they're like, let's let's play the game. And you have no idea like why are these like <laughs> Scottish descendants running off in helicopters to play baseball? And it's like, oh, this is obviously like a family tradition they do, but like bore on the floor could be a family tradition, could right. be a fucking something he just thought up out of nowhere like it has some, it seems grounded in some history but no idea God, and then i love coming, this other i'm coming fighting. into breakfast the next morning so oh, i had one too many i don't remember anything from yeah. last night i love too how they're like when they're they're fighting for the boar on the floor and they're like he stole my sausage that was my sausage <laughs> carl yeah carl stole his sausage <laughs> so God, I've Who, got what other uh, four you five. Got? I've got uh, five. Uncle Ewan. Oh, so good. Oh, I think, so good. I think uh, I would want more from him. I think he brings out the best in Logan, like the disdain between the brothers. The the he's the only one with the honesty, but then also the flaw of him, like showing up for the board meeting, and then similar to to Roman, you know. Actually, you know what? Like, I'm I'm gonna not vote against. Well, I think uh, that's what he says. Up, he says that up front, like when he when Kendall first broaches it with him, right? Where he says, like, you know, my brother's a piece of shit, but like he's still my brother. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of tips his hand and like, no, this whole thing's horrible. But like, I'm not gonna be horrible like you. Like, I'm not gonna vote my own brother out and kill him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he will also though his it, any interaction with Greg, I think, is some of the so the, good the best dialogue. The scene where Greg has scene? to eat at no oh. at the. Uh, at the Chinese restaurant after he <laughs> ate the songbird with Tom 
with the napkins <laughs> over their heads, and then he's like, so "Greg's eating all the stuff that is just horrible." He's like, "Eat up, oh, like finish it." There's so like, much waste in this city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all like rooted in like his guilt of, of you know the the climate stuff. Actually, you know, he argues worse than Hitler. You know, like talking about, uh, it, he's just like hyper, um, hyper rational about how awful the world is and. But he doesn't do any. He doesn't really do anything about it. Neil, Neil, point blank saying, "Oh, Randy's just like Uncle You," and derailed me for like three days. Like I, I don't think I could breathe. I could breathe for for three days after hearing that. I think my um uh, stomach actually uh, shrunk during my time of my, poverty. My time of poverty. Uh, it's just it's, so um just really not that hungry. Uh, <laughs> Oh, James yeah. Cromwell, James Cromwell, the actor, obviously a very recognizable face, been in a lot of lot of different things. Like he's another example of such a perfectly cast like person. Has the has the gravitas as an actor to stand up to Brian Cox and make you think that he could really be like a someone who could say fuck you and like you know he's set to inherit four hundred million dollars too, whatever. Or it's his shares of the company are ridiculous, and so he has kind of a power. But it's like Greg's like um. Uh, Grandpa, think, uh, thanks for um, making us listen to that six-hour economics podcast <laughs> on the way here. The scene when Logan's got his medals out and, and he's just hucking them from the cheap seats over in the corner. Like, yeah, you know, I paid paid quite a price for that one. Well, not as much mm-hmm. as the man who, who earned the medal. <laughs> <laughs> My brother volunteered for, you know, six weeks. He hasn't let anybody forget it. Or just the fact that, like, he that board meeting scene in season one and you know, when Uncle Ewan shows up and that's when Logan's like full house, you know, like what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is going on? You yeah. know, like he starts to realize he's about to get uh, kneecapped, you know, by mm-hmm. his son. He's whenever Ewan's in the building, you know, something it almost signals something's about to go down. That's that's not good for Logan, which I that's one thing I hope we get more of in season three is more Logan and Ewan, because yeah. as as much as Ewan like gives it to Logan, L- Log- I think Logan has Ewan pegged. You know, like he tells Greg, like, oh, he's not actually going to cut you off. He's a coward. You know? So I, I do think there's that they both understand each other in, in a way that's that's great. Um, like you and telling Logan, like mother would have hated all this. Um, yes, it, it's just it, it's really good. And, and I hope that they interplay more uh, in season three. Neil, who was your fourth? Uh, so I have the, and I I'll explain why it's a combo. It's Laird and Stewie. Okay. Because I think they are oh. both serve the same purpose as they're very singular characters in that like they're they're on the nose as archetypes of the private equity guy and the, you know, LBO, like, you know, investment banker. And I think that they sum up the, the those industries perfectly. And I think they also more so Stewie delivers what were what were you talking about earlier with Naomi's line, like the underlined yeah. bold, Excellent. like highlighted. Yeah. He's always saying it straight, like they're gonna pick us because we're gonna be able to give them just a little bit more of a return on their capital, and that's all this is, you know. And like, he's kind of the um, a little bit of the, the uh, capitalist prophet to me, and and I think you could you could argue with me that he's not, he's too on the nose and he's he's one dimensional, but whenever he kind of brings out the horrible side of Kendall, and he's such a good villain for the show. And for society that I think he's my favorite. And then Laird is just like the perfect banker. Guilty as charged, you know, like probably has a ton of skeletons, you know, when, when they're at our and he's, uh, 
you know, all this stuff's coming out about the cruises. And he's like, you know, I'm probably not the best messenger, <laughs> you know, for like, like my reposition, my reputation precedes me, you know, like there's a lot more to Laird, I think that is, uh, that is not, that goes unsaid. And so I, I'm always drawn to him. Well, I definitely won't argue with you on Stewie. Full spoiler alert. Let's just cut to cut the shit. He's my number one. Really? I Whoa. Wow. Wow. Love, 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 love Stewie. I cannot stop laughing every single time he's on screen. Everything he says is so perfect. I think the way that they've basically just turned him into like a cartoon character at this point, like he's gone from kind of being like very obviously, you know, the money and some brains to, when we last see him in Greece, he's literally he's sitting there by himself eating, eating the cheese plate and smelling that lavender to to kind of cleanse his like <laughs> aromatic palate. Wearing like, the Greek blue and white shirt, is, you know, with a blazer over it. It just makes me laugh so so hard. And I think what's so cool is like they've cloaked him in in all this bullshit and just turned him. You know, you see it when when they go meet the like the hip hop guys behind behind the scenes. You see it when like he's just kind of slowly in everything and yes. and and has all the same like you could have you know the the stewie show as well and it would probably look very similar to following the roys around right like he's got all his own issues and insecurities and fuck-ups and everything and they just do such a good job of of using him sparingly dropping him in and just like you said i i think he when he comes in like that's that's the whole fucking show right when they're trying to they make him the unbelievably good offer at uh the end of season two and he just says like no like that listen these guys like and he does all, he never all, loses his cool either. ever no like, he, like at the hip-hop show he's like hey you know he's so ruthlessly uh smug but yes. always polite like he mm -hmm. to the Lord, hey what's your uh, what's your name again <laughs> yeah can you go tell him that this is the fucking guy that signs the checks for owns, the fucking, the, owns the company who owns the company who signed this yeah guy? you know and yeah. he's just he's so smuggy um when he's when uh, i just think he's a perfect character logan's going up to uh give the speech at the dinner in season one it's like if he falls right now i'm gonna lose one of my many houses <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's god everything everything he says but then he delivers me laugh like so a hard. really important line to to kendall of like you know bro i don't trust you yeah you know and like it's mm -hmm. so like underlined bold highlighted of like that's it. Like it's yeah, maybe telegraph, but also the fact that he's saying it right to Kendall's face has a massive impact on like the scene and on him. And I well, I think seeing him sparingly too, like that—that's the other thing. You know what I the parallel I was saying with between him and the Roy's is when you only see him sparingly, it just exacerbates how fucking slimy all these people are, mm -hmm. right? Where you're you're almost like only seeing him at his worst. And whereas you see all these other characters that like, oh, here's a little bit of a redemptive moment or, oh, that's kind of a nice thing that they did. All you see from Stewie is just like, yo, don't trust these people. These people are fucking horrible. Yeah. And, but also, so, so is he like he, but that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. that, he just like reflects back a lot of, uh, a lot of what I think, you know, the, the main characters are about. Like, I think he does a, a good job of being kind of a mirror of of all those people and he just the actor's perfect the delivery's so funny the lines are so yeah. good it's just I, I fucking can't get enough stewie few few things have ever made me understand that like our economy is just a giant like fucking card table roulette wheel for the rich then they coming up with a, like a four billion dollar deal in a coffee shop and a big handshake be like yeah i think we could do that like this you <laughs> know let's, yeah we, we could go you know well they're doing coke in the bathroom at like a yeah. starbucks <laughs> Yeah, it's right? just like yeah. shit is not real to any yeah. of these people. Like it's real. It's more real to the 
Roy's obviously because it's like Kendall, it's the legacy of their family and whatever, but it's not real to Stewie, like $4 billion, like whatever. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, it's, just, it's I got- also my, so my, my mother used to work at um, Athena Healthcare, which is mm-hmm. a, you know, healthcare records company. And they got like hostily taken over by uh, uh, Elliot management mm-hmm. and all the stuff she was telling me about, like they, they went and got like all this dirt on Jonathan Bush who ran the company and like, you know, like the guy was mismanaging the place, whatever, but like the way they went about it was just politely, coldly ruthless, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, and I was watching the show while all that was happening. And my mom, you know, I'd be talking to her like about it weekly. And it was just like, you know, the real world, um, I don't know, context I had for something like that. I just think that they, the producers nailed that entire like private equity taking over these legacy companies and then enacting change and really like, backroom scummy ways is is i hope we get a ton more of that next year well i think the other thing i like about stewie is he almost kind of reinforces the fact that when you you look at all these people like nobody has any friends yeah. in this show you realize like how lonely this show yeah. is like tom that's what mm. makes tom and greg so good right is like they fucking hate each other clearly and they're so embarrassed to be with each other but also they have no other friends and like that's <laughs> the whole thing with the whole thing with tom when he, he gets his big promotion and he's like you know we're gonna go like who's he there to celebrate with it's fucking greg who wants to go to mm-hmm. california pizza kitchen they, ha- they have a cajun linguine that I, <laughs> I they make it just how i like it just, you're not exactly supposed to like, like it. it but but <laughs> stewie stewie's a good example of that too where it's like you almost get the impression he's supposed to be kendall's like best friend mm-hmm. right and all he does mm-hmm. like he has the great <laughs> great line of just i forgive this is it exactly but he's like you know i can guarantee you i am spiritually ethically morally with whoever wins right (laughs) (laughs) like yeah bro listen man like i am here with you but like i'm totally there for whoever comes out on top of this and it's just like nobody has any loyalty nobody has any friends and they're all just like miserable and alone in you know the most outrageously uh opulent places they possibly can be Wow. Great, great call on Stewie. I mean, I, mine are mostly main characters, so I'm glad you guys are bringing in some of the French characters because it really, it, it brings these lists much more uh, life than, than me just basically like ticking off the, the top dogs. I also cheated at my number two spot and, and made Tom and Greg a combo. So that, oh, that was me whoa. not being able to bump one of those guys. So gotcha. I almost uh, didn't have any of the main characters. Well, I have, you know, a couple, but like, what are your, so where are we at? Are we at top three? We probably mentioned just about everybody. We're, I'm guessing, right. I think we're top three. Yeah. Yes. My my fourth was Kendall is in my fourth spot, but I'm guessing he's going to hit the board here. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll hit up Kendall. Like how outrageous is it? Like Kendall wasn't even on my list, and he's like (laughs) the second in commander is kind of the second most glue of the whole show. Like he's he's incredible, but it's just such a uh, competitive field out there, man. Uh, Definitely competitive field. There's no. There's no no real persons on this leaderboard these are all <laughs> these are all real persons i had kendall at three as well just because he's i don't know especially on the rewatch i, I can't you can't figure him out right like is he he's i guess he's just constantly high but he, but like so randy you were saying we were talking earlier about when did he decide to you know kneecap his dad i would i would say yeah it was probably earlier on but then he goes back into like totally adrift like puppy dog mode and like i don't want to give him credit for being like playing possum yes yeah. like it doesn't feel like he's playing possum like the the scene where he you know he raps and then he dumps the <laughs> fling it's just you're just like yo this guy is so scattered like there's no way he's masterminding a takeover right now 
you mm-hmm. know? And then, so that's where I kind of lean towards like, maybe it was finally like when his dad said he's not a killer. He's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it now without like all this posturing and second guessing myself like he does in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't get any sense, even on the rewatch, the buildup of like this character's coming out of his, uh, you know, depressed, broken, drug infused, uh, like the place that he's at. It just doesn't feel like he's, he's, doesn't feel like the character's building any momentum until like well, the end when he just fucking lights it all on fire. I actually I think, think that, I, th- I think you see ahead. hints of it. Yeah, sorry. I, I think you see hints of him coming out of it. And, and I think it started with like Naomi and his relationship with her. Um, Jennifer, the the actress, is kind of that. That was a weird little like crowbar in there. Um, her, her her saying awesome too much and him like essentially sending her home for <laughs> yeah, like for, for not being like rich enough or not having the like best social cues when meeting his father was uh was but a really funny scene. I I push back because I think I thought he sent her home because he could tell immediately his dad didn't like her. And it's like, well, so every time I think the character is is taking a step out on his own, it's like one step forward, two steps back. Or even like Naomi, like they have this great night and then he like poops himself. And it was almost like symbolic of like, he's right back where he started. Like he's never, he's never climbing the mountain. He's just like sliding back down and starting over every episode. In, in Kendall's defense, I think there's a really important scene that I think I missed kind of the first go around. But when he is back at his mother's house in mm-hmm. Scotland, and wants to talk about, you know, heavy stuff with her that evening, mm-hmm. uh, essentially about how he was responsible for killing that kid. And his own mom, like, wiggling out of having a, a meaningful, loving conversation with her son. And then the next morning, his mom is gone. Like, she's out running errands. It's a busy day. Like, doesn't even say goodbye to him. It, it, to me, it, like, really reinforced uh, like like Roman is so obviously stunted and like it, it almost made me feel bad for Kendall just realizing like oh man this guy like he's the kids like they've never had a chance and, yeah. and so like expecting Kendall to be this mature well-adjusted like well thought out person um, it just it can't happen I just think to me that Jeremy Strong has the hardest job on the show right is to like be a little bit the moral conscience of the thing like he's the one person who sort of kind of acts like oh this might be wrong like we shouldn't maybe be doing this because you know we could he wants he doesn't really want to take Roystar and make it like 10 trillion dollars he actually wants it to be like a good company he wants it to evolve and like do some good things and he keeps running up against like this legacy of his family which is basically like fuck that like just take the money hate beats and roller coasters yeah and so all of it i think he's he plays conflicted really well uh throughout and i i just as it i didn't really click for me i think until somewhere like deep into the second season maybe like when he goes and visits the victim's family or whatever but um i was just like god like he is a fucking great actor like i i just feel like a lot of this is earned but is is my final kendall kind of nod here i'd I'd like to please perform the rap uh, at Logan's uh, 70th birthday. Just real quick, if you guys would. would oh, K to the VV. <laughs> Born on the North Bank, king of the East Side, 50 years strong. Now he's rolling in a sick ride. Handmade six, oh, rigging in loot. Five-star general, y'all best salute, yo. Oh. 
bitches be catty, but the king's my daddy. Rock all the haters while we go roll a fatty. <laughs> Squiggle on the decks, Kenny on the rhymes, and Logan big balling on Hampton's time. Hell to the OG. Dude be the OG, and he's playing. Playing like a pro C, L to the OG, A1 ratings, 80K wine, never going to stop, baby. Fuck father time, bro. Don't get twisted. I've been through hell, but since I stand dad, I'm alive and well. Shaper of views, creator of news, father of many, paid all his dues. So don't try to run your mouth at the king. You just pucker up, bitch, and go kiss the ring. L to the OG. Dude, be the OG. OG. Uh, God, who plays? Extreme extreme Sunday school school rap vibes. Who was the uh, the DJ? The the DJ. Oh, God, I forget that. I just watched it last night. I wish I had written it down. But it's a, it, that's such a cringeworthy moment. But I love like how it's like weirdly earnest, and he like kind of turns the crowd like in his favor by the end of it. They're all like they, they there's a great like just shot after shot of shot of everybody. It's like horror struck faces, and Roman like completely like shitting all over it. And Kendall even puts the mic in front of him at one point, and it's like and he's like, "You need to stop this right now." And then the <laughs> The end is like he puts like that hat on his dad. Oh my god, it's like such a it's fucking like the like, first time that he committed to something. Yeah. Like he saw it through. Like yeah. he didn't stop halfway. He didn't he didn't like second guess, even though it was crazy cringeworthy. Uh yeah. I just like I love finishes his... the song and then drops the mic. It's like I don't, yeah. you know, like I yeah, I get it. I love his whole character arc. I love how badly he wants to be cool and he's just terrible. Like he's that art girl, whatever that he's trying oh. to get her to invest in. He, she he just buys the like, on the way over. Yeah. She's like, fuck off Nazi at the end. And he's just like <laughs> crushed by it all. He has no one to party with. And so he's like, part, wants to party with Greg and Greg's like, um, yeah. Like, don't you have any other friends that you want to go and hang out with this? Oh, it's just, and, and the fact that the end, it ends with like Logan finally proud of him because he showed that he could be a killer and he could sort of betray his dad in the way that his dad was has betrayed everyone to me just was very satisfying. So. And, and, I, and I think even too Neil, to your point, I, I think we do see Kendall like growing. Like I, I think he's almost gone through the looking glass of like the, the rap signifying, like he doesn't care what anybody thinks of him anymore. And I, I think that sets up the the final scene in the press conference and that decision a little bit. Yeah. And also the, the minor shout out to uh, Kendall and, and Stewie really just succession really putting a uh, microscope on the amount of time that the rich and famous spend on drugs. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, like it doesn't seem like they're, they're kind of on drugs all the time. Yeah, I do. The one last Kendall thing is like, I always say, I've said this a lot uh, is that like Phil Mickelson has always done things basically to like, make him feel alive in like the boredom of his super uber rich wealth life wealthy life and that like the kendall stealing of batteries and like a cigarette lighter oh, yeah. from the the bodega was like a perfect example of that of like I, there's no fucking consequences for me let me just do this one thing that will make me feel like refill which is a fill uh, what would happen if i stopped a pump but that was still rolling at the US Open. What would happen if I basically just trashed the entire UGSGA? Like, whatever, it'll make me feel alive for five minutes. So I love it. He, it's such a, the, the, the other scene I want to point out with Kendall is when he's in the helicopter at the Pierce's with Naomi. I, it, KBV, to your point, like, and, and DJ or whoever said it, like, he, he, he does have such a, there's a part of him that, that 
understands all the the bullshit and you know when he's telling naomi like if you take the money like you can just get out from all of this like you'll be free Mm -hmm. and i thought that was a really powerful uh scene and and quote and it's just yeah man like like anything like as soon as you feel like the characters kind of settling into this new realm like they do something and snap back to to their old ways old habits they you just can't quite pin them down and i guess they just they threw me off the scent with that because like the you know the dirty sheets the next morning is the best (laughs) example of just like we're right back where we started and that's how i felt like at the end of every episode with kendall it's like man he's just never he doesn't have it and it's like okay well i guess he does have it and i just didn't you know i didn't expect it so uh, but yeah. I think the character is definitely in the top three for me, just because he's probably the most interesting. He's he's the most uh, uh, mysterious. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys order the rest of your your top three? Uh, I had Tom at th- at three, Kendall at two, and then uh, Greg at at number one. Uh, this so that we can talk at I, length about Tom and Greg. Uh, I flipped it. Best. Maybe we need to go there because I have Greg at three. I had said Roman at two, and and Tom's my number one. I've got Greg at two and Tom at one. Teach, did you? Who was your number one? Oh, my number one was Stewie. I had uh, oh, Connor. Right. Right. Connor at number three. Connor Roy was interested in politics at a very young age. Uh, <laughs> Tom and Greg. Tom and Greg combo at number two and Stewie at at number one. I, 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 God, I don't even know where you start on on I, Tom and Greg. I just the you know human furniture and physical and verbal assaults you know nazi stuff shooters you know i, I just don't love it yeah yeah i just i don't yeah, i don't think it's like good I, greg is a bit of a it's, it's kind of against my principles oh fuck off greg you don't have any principles greg's a, uh, greg's a vehicle for the audience to help yeah. us from episode one to episode 20 you know watching him you know steer his way down into dante's inferno and like watching how it changes him and and uh because he comes in as as uh, the everyman, you know, the guy. Yeah, like you said, smoking weed, wearing the the, the mascot <laughs> thing, you know. And and then at, by the end, he's yeah, he doesn't like the rosé. So I I just love and he's and he's uh, just as an actor, like the delivery, the lines, the the gangliness, like all of it. It's it's similar to how people feel about uh, Jonah on Veep. Right. You know, it's just like he just mm-hmm. fills up the room every time he's on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! It's. Yeah, honestly, it's like every scene is is extraordinary with with those two especially. I I mean, I I just felt like Tom especially. I think I put Tom number one because even I, he just kills me even when he's not yeah. with Greg, right? Like I I it, it just is. He's such a caricature of who they want him to be. It, it's just fabulous. Um, he's so smart, and yet he's such a sort of like like clown too at the same time like it's just everything about tom just makes me like giggle and like his his desire he's like how did tom sort of climb his way out of minnesota to be married into this like uber rich family and he's like well i love when he's talking to shiv and he's like um you know shiv i was i was talking to my like lawyer and she's like you mean your mother (laughs) (laughs) well tom's like what happened if it's like if great gats the you know yeah. jay gatsby like you know <laughs> made a few wrong turns you know right. coming out of coming out of the midwest but i also think tom is uh he you mentioned earlier with with romulus randy about how he's a stunted child i see that in tom he's the stunted schoolyard bully where they always say like the way he treats 
you know, shit flows down the way he treats people below him. It, you know, with a bully, they always say, oh, well, there's probably something going on at home. And it's like, <laughs> couldn't be more true with Tom. He's just getting bullied by his wife, his father-in-law. Like, mm -hmm. so you see, and you, and I love the way you see him in both settings where like when he's in the office and he's using people as footstools and just trying to punch down. And then he's <laughs> just such a loser when he's with, you know, the, the family and he's so intimidated by everything that well, it's great. That's what I was going to say is that it almost feels like very, uh, it's just performative the whole time. Like all he's doing constantly is what, you know, he thinks he should be doing rather mm -hmm. than what he wants to actually be doing, which is why I love season two is awesome going back and, and watching yeah. it again. But the way he just kind of breaks down at the end, you can tell he's just been completely suffocating this whole like, yeah, no, I'm just like a fucking regular guy who just wants to have a normal marriage and like how did i even you can just see the wheels turning where he's just like how did i even like end up in this in this spot and there's i think uh god there's like two or three scenes that just really stick out to me one when when he uh there it's the bore on the floor episode when he goes up to logan ahead of time and it's basically like hey i'm about to say something but you could just like totally disregard it <laughs> is the definition of him like trying to have it both ways right like yeah i think they yeah. see me as somewhat of a leader and you know but i, I wouldn't ever possibly actually think this so like, <laughs> you don't need to believe this but i'm gonna say it just but you could totally disregard like that whole delivery is so good uh the bit about him being you know just incensed that he's in the wrong panic room yeah is, that's uh, gonna that is, is so like, good is so on the nose for who tom is and just like there's an active shooter and like why am i in the bad i'm in the bad panic room like that's that's bullshit uh and then i think the scene of of him kind of just breaking down at the in the last episode and trying to figure out what's going on and trying to kind of assert any kind of uh, ownership over his own life is something that's very fascinating which ends up manifesting itself in him having the great scene with logan where he sits down and just yeah, his, what do you think? Wing what do you think about away. that? I think it's just him, like it's just him breaking, right? Like him it's, trying it's a, to yeah, stay like I'm, I'm, I will not be. I'm gonna not going to be pushed over. Put his cock in my potato salad <laughs> anymore. No more, guys. <laughs> but then you realize, like, you okay? Let's tease that out or pull that thread. It's like Tom, you don't have any power here, man. Like mm. you stand up for yourself all you want. Like what do you think is going to happen? Who who are they going to side with? Do you think like, that you or Shiv? What's, what's going to happen uh, here? Any any respect from Logan when he ate his chicken? I think Logan's got too much other shit going on. I don't think he's yeah. got time to really like, I think you saw his reaction. Just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's just like, yo, come on, man. I've got like 50 other things worried going on. I don't have time to yeah, worry about. You're going to make it about you. It's not basically, yeah. it's like yeah. the moral of the story is like Tom thinks it's about him all the time. Yeah. And it's never about him. Right. But nor, I also, nor will it ever be. I think right? another scene that, that similar to the one at the end of season two at, at his wedding in season one, when he, when he stands up for himself with Evis's, you know, political aid, you yeah. know, and basically tells yeah. that guy to fuck off. And <laughs> there's a, like a feeling of like, you like it when, when Tom does like break his character, mm -hmm. it, you like, you're rooting for him, even though you totally. hate him pretty much 99% of the show. When he does like keep it real, it's, it's uh, powerful. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the line that just slays me, I mean, when in the congressional hearing, when uh, Senator Evis begins it by saying, uh, "Mr. Wamsgams," I, I hope I'm I hope I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> I think the other the other good one too is when uh, you know Greg comes up to him and is like, "Hey, can I you know can I trust you?" Like, of course you can trust me to a point. 
just... or the scene with the uh with the news host and he's like yeah, yeah just, you know just got to go over a few things um you know like the name of the dog and it, like, yeah, it, different spelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah different spelling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about all the the millions of Europeans that died. All right. Yeah. I think I think we, we lost six million out. Yeah. I think we're missing a couple million off the ledger. Uh, oh God. <laughs> hey, uh, Logan wants us to take these cyanide pills. Oh, <laughs> oh seriously? <laughs> no, they're mints, Greg. <laughs> Greg's driving Ewan down from Canada, and and Tom calls him. And Tom's oh, like, God. "Fuck your grandpa!" And, uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, "You're you're you're on you're on speakerphone, Tom." And Tom's like, "Well, I shouldn't be, Greg." <laughs> I've got a couple honorable mentions. Okay, um, the the head of ATN News, that yeah. like crusty, like looks Sid like she Peach. smokes like Sid. four packs yeah. a yeah. day with the raspy voice. I thought she was awesome. You like a uh, sausage, Tom? Yeah, just in how she her disdain for Tom because he's you know uh, not not an alpha basically, and then uh, the PR guy, the little skinny PR guy. Uh, I can't remember his name though. Um, oh, the, the who's doing like damage control? Yes, he's oh, great, yeah, and yeah, he's you know, and he just like when he Tom comes back in the room and he's just he's so uh, condescending. And then when they're they're in the car in like one of the last episodes, and Logan's like, "Who would you add to this list?" And he like adds his, his boss. His and he's boss. like, "But you asked, Logan, you know, like just like sh shamelessly self promoting. It's so good." Oh, oh yeah, what I I forget that guy's name. I I really like Tabitha. Yeah, she she's a big character. I would throw in there. I, I think she's she's great. Shout out to uh, you know the the own load comment to open the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> such a funny moment because it's like Tom desperately want he like thinks that this is what the rich like crazy people do, right? They go to these <laughs> sex parties and like he has this <laughs> this experience and just you know he's, he's this is the way that he's explaining it, and then the Roman puts it right. Hey, I heard you swallowed your own load. <laughs> When he calls it a, a closed loop system, it's like not even like cheating because it's like a closed loop closed system. Loop. <laughs> it just it like it sh sh shows up later as Roman's girlfriend is like so fucking perfect that you know he has to like live this humiliation over and over again. But I, I think what's cool about Tom too is you do get these just absolutely devastating scenes, right? Like when he comes home from the bore on the floor trip. And he's just been absolutely humiliated by everybody who, you know, he's he's trying nothing, nothing harder than to get the respect of these people. And he's literally crawling around eating a sausage. And then he comes home and then Shiv also piles on like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, like you know, don't do you want to know what I did this weekend? And you just see this yeah. like totally broken guy. That's where you, you get all this like crazy high absurdist comedy. But also all of these people are such good actors that, you know, they suck you right back into these unbelievably like uh just impressive scenes mm -hmm. any other any other honorable mentions um we don't really get to know him as a character but uh rat fucker sam always makes me laugh <laughs> is he like a good guy <laughs> <laughs> just the term the moral character of a guy named rat fucker sam. i would like to give a shout out to uncle mo uh, uncle mo god that mo. that bit that might be what made me laugh the hardest i think Finally connecting the dots on the fact that his name's not Mo. Mo. <laughs> Mo Lester. I'm so sorry. I heard Uncle Mo was such a good guy. Who? Who? Your husband, Mo. 
Oh god. That was more of a nickname. Any uh <laughs> any bad any bad characters? I really struggled with this one. I did too. I can't I truly can't think of one. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think so. I mean, I, I, is um is Kendall's wife like she's kind of a non-character like I, I can't remember a moment that she really has uh that I, I felt like warm to her or felt like that I wanted to you know yeah uh, but, quick side note but can you can you imagine a more hilarious idea than uh Kendall possibly naming his kid after Alan Iverson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so that might be like yeah. that yeah. that's unbelievably funny yeah Oh, just everything Unless about that's Ken- like a real name. I've never really heard that first name Iverson before. No, no. And just like I think it, it lines fits up. In, to, it's it fits in perfect with him. Like you know, he, he's obviously wants to be part of black culture, but he's also like, you know, listening. To, I mean, all this rap. He thinks of himself as a rapper. He's wearing this ridiculous like jersey that would have been cool in like 1993. Like uh, you know, it's absolutely he's named after Alan Iverson. <laughs> The the one guy who's maybe the most prominent guy that we haven't mentioned at all, I don't think, is Frank. What what do you yeah. guys think? Is that a yeah. is is that a you know a, a strike against a, him or that character? No, I think he's just such a doormat, right? Like there's just not that much there. I think they they do a pretty good job of unpacking when, again, I think it's in the Hungary episode, but when when Logan just basically like underlines it and is like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit like yeah he your girlfriend's fucking some waiter in palermo now like so he came crawling back because he needs money like yeah whatever like yeah. he, he kind of fancies himself as like this high-minded you know literary guy and then at the end of the day it's just yeah. like oh what's that the guys who have fucked me over 85 times want me back yeah sure i'm in let's yeah, do it yeah. like, similar yeah. to the pierce family yeah. you know he's kind of like uh he acts principled but it, at the end of the day it comes back to the money i think when he loses control of the board meeting and like he can't get logan to oh, leave the room so that's like when his character Fucking attendance we're, we're gonna take it. well we are today yeah we're, we're, exactly. <laughs> you're like i want the record to show that you can't be here <laughs> fuck off you know like <laughs> the record show logan roy is in the room let the record show logan roy just put his boot in frank's ass <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um is there is there any lines that just do you that are ones that are killers that stand out for you guys that we haven't uh dropped yet i mean there's a thousand of them but it should be funny just to hit the way, up a few the way greg greg opens his congressional hearing you know your name greg hirsch uh if it is to be uh <laughs> then, then so it is <laughs> i would just simply request to answer in the affirmative you could just talk normally <laughs> um there's uh there's some point where Logan uh uses the phrase the cunt of Monte Cristo which <laughs> for some reason that was so stupid and funny. I love uh, uh uh Connor talking about uh <laughs> releasing his video and entering the ideas primary. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, it's it's there's a thing where um Tom says uh, you, you don't really hear much about syphilis anymore. It's it's really very much the MySpace of STDs. <laughs> Uh, or or uh, Logan has you know always profane, but he's when he's talking about the pilot, like yeah. he, he, where's where's Sergey? He always looks like his dick's still wet, and he's gonna recommend a, you know a good Pinot. <laughs> I like my pilots boring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom's Tom's parents, who first of all Tom's parents are exceptional too, yeah. but them giving a shout out uh, to Art Laffler getting off the bus at the at the wedding really makes me laugh. Like the, so the Laffler good. curve, uh, like he's just a, 
yeah kind of a quack economist it's really good uh there's a roman says to to a stewie at one point like you look like diplo dipped in beard trimmings (laughs) 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 such a perfect diss of stewie's like whole like facial hair set up Anyway, rough, uh, rough couple weeks for your guy Diplo, Neil. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, hate that. Uh, <laughs> Randy, what else you got for us? Um, I, I guess I, this is so hard, but if, if you had to bottom line, like your favorite scene, would would could could we go around the room and and do a favorite scene? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the hearing stuff is is an obvious one. I, I I'm gonna go a little off the radar though. One that on the rewatch was awesome because it showed each character in their true br- brilliance was Rhea's the lead up and the the toast of Rhea made to at Logan's surprise party yeah. uh, or like before it when when they're like when Kendall's like yeah you should you know mention his sister Rose and uh his mother I think he'll you know you know he'll, he'll really like that and and they're just <laughs> all setting her up to fail the Marsh is setting her up to fail and it just shows how this family's just gonna like vaporize outsiders and they're all really really good at it in their own way That's i'll go one. firmly firmly on the radar very obvious one to choose but the the very end of season one was i think where you know you mentioned it earlier uh kevin but it's of course the you know you're my number one boy scene mm-hmm. when kendall is just crumpled uh with his dad that was i think the moment where i was like oh my god this show is this show's on another another level yeah um i guess i would probably go with the the pierce's um dinner although uh, we talked a little bit about that already although the hunting thing uh where they all are just where they're walking sort of slowly into and tom tom refers to it as like a it's like ah europe sort of or eastern europe sort of a anti pro-authoritarian vampire uh you know anti-semitic vibe just seeing all these rich rich people in this like ridiculous hunting gear and like Roman yeah, State, they're all take, clearly wearing like five grand of just hunting stuff and you know, it's like taking a call from the, the biographer person and it's all kind of like uh it's that i just love that whole the ridiculousness of that whole episode is is really great and so um but the the pierce's dinner is great because it's like the the comedy of like liberal idiocy and conservative clownish like children behavior is just all kind of mixed into one and as i said before like the the one pierce kid and connor becoming like (laughs) buddies by the end of the evening after a bottle of port is so good yeah god you kbv were on the same wavelength those are it, I mean, I had two, but it was like the bore on the floor and the whole lead up to, to bore on the floor and uh, the Turnhaven, just just the families meeting and, and intermingling, I think, are, are my two favorites. Um, any any big guesses for season three? Anything you want to get out there on the record? I, I think none of us have read anything, so these aren't spoilers, just just pure guesses yeah. and anything. Does, is anybody ever going to die, do you think? I mean, I would think that I don't know how you end the show with Logan still living. I mean, I guess you could, but I, I, what I find uh, always interesting on TV shows is to think about, all right, was this show written from the beginning with like a four or five season arc in mind where we know the ending. Uh, And I think most good writers, when they generate a TV show, they leave, know they have like first season out and they know maybe what the ending is going to be. And they have like a loose sketch on some others. And then there's some shows that are like, kind of flying by the seat of their pants right like it's supposedly 
uh, Breaking Bad was written that way where like they didn't really know where it was going to go from the very beginning. And they kind of liked the idea of like, all right, well, if we feel like we're in a corner, it, it's a creative energy that sort of um, comes out of trying to write our way out of it. Uh, so like, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I would just be sort of curious. Do you think like at the end that it just sort of like Logan is alive at the end of this series? I guess I think that's the kind of the most interesting question. And that's a good point um, because I've thought about that too, KVV, in, in terms of how much running room does this show have, right? It, 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 it feels like it's maybe best suited for like three or four seasons, uh, but uh, certainly they could get the story going a, a lot of different ways and stretch that. Um, I think Logan has to be alive just to see the end result, right? I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think killing him off almost is a disservice to to him and the audience and, and the whole show because I, I think he needs to reckon with what ultimately happens, I guess, yeah, one way that's or a great, another. That's a great point. I think, uh, a, a, I guess you could say prediction is, I think there's going to be a schism among the children where, and I don't know if it's going to be Shiv or uh, Romulus that jumps ship and starts working with Kendall, but I feel like it's going to be kind of two-on-two where it's like Logan's going to, you know, knight somebody and then they're going to, so maybe it's Romulus and he's, he and Jerry are going to be the power duo on that side. And then Shiv's going to go, you know, but you could talk me into the other way around, but I feel like it's going to be kind of a two verse two thing. I think Kendall needs like a, he needs a wingman in season three. We didn't totally unpack it, but in that the lead up to the end of season two, when they're, they're on the boat, they decide that Kendall is going to, uh, Kendall's going to take the fall. There's a great, like very cinematic scene where there's no real dialogue, but they're, they're kind of walking around and uh, Kendall's sitting there with his headphones on just very contemplatively. And uh, Shiv walks up and says something to him, but we don't hear what she says. And then he kind of puts his plan in action. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if we really touched on it, but I don't know if Shiv had something to do with, uh, you know, the takedown at the end or or what but i could almost see that coming out in season three well, i think like, she did because she basically was like not tom you know kind of like well she her whole thing was like i can't you know i can't choose and i think that was kind of a loaded a loaded term especially with logan where it's like yeah i know that's why you're not the boss yeah mm-hmm. that's uh, why i would i would see shiv going aligning with kendall i, right. I think yeah shiv has been so scorned by logan i could see those two and then with Roman kind of coming into like, hey, you made a good call not ch- chasing the Turkish money. Uh, you know, he and Jerry sticking by by Logan. I if there is that great schism, I I could see it playing out that yeah. way. There is a bunch of new characters, right? Adrian Brody's part of the cast oh, of season huge. four. I mean, uh, you know, it's a great actor, uh, and I think I some forget who else what was some other male actor. Um, I suppose I could Google it, but. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I the there's internet, obviously, yeah. wow, the internet. <laughs> uh, there's gonna be some other, you know, interesting dynamics that more takeovers. I mean, I can you how many times can you do that? The sort of like company takeover or from the right. line. Know, That's like, what I was gonna uh, say. It has uh, risk of of approaching Mad Men territory, right? Or, or uh, billions. Of where just, it's just like, oh, you know, like yeah, another you know another existential threat. Right. That's why I remember mm-hmm. Mad Men that had like what two or three seasons that all kind of ended in the same way of just, well, yeah. we'll start our own agency. And, I think uh, the the one thing just like Randy went back to what you're talking about is like in the arc of the seasons, like is you know, 
how does it how do they figure out like what story are we really trying to tell here right so ultimately that's the biggest question obviously there there is some greater arc to this and so what is the story is it about like the the corruption of you know the american elites is it uh about sort of the the brokenness of american families like uh, all of that has to kind of play out in some way of its own and uh i i just i guess we're, we're, we're telling all those stories at the same time but you know is if you're a, a showrunner and you're, you're sort of using this you obviously want to tell some sort of larger point right about these kind of people and so i think what i love when we talk about there's been a shift in television, I think, in the last, you know, probably 10 years or so where showrunners are and basically the cast, too, is totally OK with a show just being four seasons. Right. They don't there isn't like this desire to be like, oh, I hope we get renewed or hope we we need to stretch this out because it's such a big moneymaker like HBO being in the streaming business. They're kind of like, yeah, like tell the story that you want to tell, make it three, four seasons cut it off and then do another project for us. Like, well, we know that people are going to come to find this show and, and continue to be streaming or whatever. And, you know, like they could have, uh, I think you saw the sort of what happened with game of Thrones, which is in some ways, like it went on a little bit too long. Right. And part was because the books were too long and the, but everyone was so exhausted. All those actors fucking hated being there and the showrunners hated being there at the end. <laughs> and so they just were like sprinting to the end to get done and I don't think that like I couldn't see succession playing out like that because I think that like the the showrunner has a specific story that he wants to tell. And it's like, yeah, we're going to get in and get out and then we'll sort of I'll do another piece. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I weirdly kind of hope for that, I guess. I, I could see if, if it does start getting into seasons five, six, like I, I, I think my natural guess would be um from showing the corruption or rot of American elites into like more American institutions. I was going to say, I think there will be a showdown with uh, big tech, yeah. you know, a Facebook stand in of some kind with mm -hmm. the, you know, the ATM being the, the they hinted at that a lot, but yeah, never really the mainstream media is yeah. going to have a showdown and you know how that'll play out. I don't know, but they do a good job of reflecting, like I was saying earlier, like archetypes of what's going on in, you know, the world today. So I think mm -hmm. they'll, and they've had, you know, a year or two of like, that's been a major story mm -hmm. in current events, not even just recently, but like for the last, like the Cambridge Analytica right. stuff. Like, I think there's going to totally. be some of that going on. Well, that's what I think you saw on a show like the newsroom or something, right? Where they were always like, could be, you know, a, a year, two years behind the curve and almost come in with I think in that show, they probably came in with a little bit too much like, well, you should have done this. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> they, it, it is kind of fun to have a, recent-ish news uh, reflected in like a very polished drama is is a fun angle. Well, I love just the, the what's well, a simple thing, but it's something I can totally kind of relate to being in the media business where like Logan wants to buy all these like local TV stations, right? And yeah. like Kendall and Roman think it's so stupid because they're of a younger generation that's like checking Twitter all the time. But Logan is actually super smart and right about this. It's like so much of our culture is being influenced by these terrible like, you know, this huge conglomerate that owns all these local TV stations is essentially feeding propaganda into the veins of our parents. And so like, that's so, so real. Right. And that's not something I've ever seen really like addressed smartly on television, in part because so many people who work in television are sort of of the kind of newer generation. They're younger. They're sort of connected. Like, they're on constantly on Twitter and they're sort of, you know, obsessed with like how the shows are being reviewed And it. Like it's fucking smart to think about, 
how you know our grandparents and parents are being influenced by this garbage that's on their local news because so many people still watch their freaking local news like none of us i imagine do but it's like a huge thing amongst old people still and those are people who vote and those are people who sort of run the direction of the country and talk radio yeah it and is so ironic totally. i was thinking you know the big fear when i was young was video games are gonna rot the kids minds and i feel like it was actually our parents you know widely speaking that it, you know yep. if there's any brain rot that's been done <laughs> it's at it's at the older generation um Oh, gentlemen, what else do we have to get off on our chest? Or should we, we're, we've just crested the two-hour mark. Um, <laughs> and, and anything else to to get off your chest? Neil, do you want to plug the um, the music podcast? I, I thought that was interesting. And um, yeah, I think a, it's from a couple weeks nice ago. Uh, it's like the the Daily Pod on New York Times does like the Sunday reads, and they they profiled um, the uh, Nick Bertal, I think his name is, and he he's the guy that did the theme music for. Uh, succession moonlight and ba- a very interesting guy and and uh it goes into how the song was created and it's it's well worth your time so go check that out it's basically it's called like the modern movie composer like this guy's like the the new hans zimmer uh in in movie music production i, w- I would also give a uh, a shout out to i don't know if they're gonna keep doing it i hope they do but uh friend of the pod chris ryan and the the folks at the ringer always would uh would do these succession after shows so when New episodes air. They, they usually go on YouTube uh, right away. I think their show is called Number One Boys, uh, <laughs> appropriately. So if they, great, I hope they're name. doing those again this season because they always have great uh, instant kind of perspective and uh, analysis. So hopefully those are those are up this year too. Mr. KVV, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming into the uh, the trap draw world again. Always a pleasure, sir. Always a pleasure to be Fuck off, (laughs) KV. Fuck off. Fuck off. Meeting over. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me?